Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben and Evan. We are going to dive in to one of my favorite old school comics from when I was a kid. First off, got a shout out, Radar Toys, right here in Eugene. You can get free shipping in the U.S. at RadarToys.com and save 10% using the code BATFANPOD. All right? Today, we are digging into books one and two of Nightfall, because technically book three is called Night's End, all right? But we're going to continue the theme of Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, go into his origins, and uh, we're going to have a good time. This is a pretty epic one. This is Nightfall. Hi, Ben. Hello. All right, now we'll do all four hours on Nightfall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to do a... Not just page by page, but panel by panel yeah. analysis. Uh, let's just read the book to people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they do that. I've seen other podcasts where they like act out. It's like a table read, you know. Of a, <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. I did Bane then. I want to voice that guy. I know you. Through and through. <laughs> I will own Gotham. You sort of sounded like Bane on... Um, the Harley Quinn show, they take the Tom Hardy voice like to 10 on that show. Really? It's pretty funny. Are they trying to spoof it or what? Oh, yeah, it's a straight up comedy. Like, it's oh, okay. ridiculous. I kind of just imagined that after that movie, it would have reverted to what I pictured like standard Bane voice being. I thought that maybe his voice was a one off, not that it would show up in anything else. Bane should always talk like this. He'd be like, Batman, I'm going to break your spine. And, uh, <laughs> Batman. You know, I was going to talk about this. My first note was I kept reading his lines and hearing this voice. I'm like, who is this voice? And it was Shredder from the 1990 Turtles movie. That's way better. Yeah. Like, isn't it kind I mean, of perfect? I don't picture him like Schumacher's Uggs. But he seemed like a deep-voiced villain. He's a big dude. He's super threatening. He must have a deep-ish, scary voice. Shredder-esque, anyways. I mean, think about it. Like, the rat. You know, just like he's got that growl, you know? Break the Batman. Yeah, I mean, he should have more of a Batman voice than Batman does. He should just be Javier Bardem. I still (laughs) say that's the voice for him. Yeah. Man, what does he say in No Country for Old Men? What's his... uh? He says, I just murdered everyone in this room. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm going to need your biggest blowgun thingy. I made a promise to everyone. Yeah. And even though he's gone now, I still have to kill you. That's awesome. I don't know, man. I I feel like he could voice Bane in like an adaptation, but I don't don't see him physically, though. No, Uh, but I mean, he's he's probably at least as tall as Tom Hardy. Yeah, but he's like... He's just goofy looking. <laughs> well, that's what the mask is for. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's true. He can just rock the mask all the time. He just got to get like a huge wrestler guy and overdub his voice. Oh, yeah, there you go. Wait, wh- who did that? Oh, like Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for that little indie film. Yeah. Iconic. <laughs> Some iconic villain. Huh? Fuck you guys. I'm still waking up. That's not a bad call, though. I mean, if 
in the movie, if he ended up having to overdub voices anyways, he could have picked like Undertaker or Kane or <laughs> Hulk Hogan or something like that. All right, Tom, you did a great job, but people had a hard time understanding you, so instead of redoing it, you're just fired. <laughs> We're going to use your yeah. body. We're just going to have Tommy Wiseau do the voice. <laughs> no, no, you're breaking me apart. <laughs> <laughs> no, no it's, no, it's I'll break you apart. There you go. I'll tear you apart, Batman. <laughs> okay. This is Nightfall, 1993. Written by Doug Mensch, Chuck Dixon, Alan Grant. Illustrated by a whole lot of people. Jim Aparo, Norm Brayfogle, Jim Ballant, Graham Nolan, Klaus Jansen, Brett Blevins. Inked by Dick Giordano, Scott Hanna, Bob Wyasek, Wyacek, I don't know. Mike Manley, Steve George, Terry Austin. That's two guys with two first names in a row. I'm impressed by this. The whole thing appears to be colored by Adrian Roy. Whether it's Batman issues, detective issues, whatever, I see her name in fucking everything. And I was trying to make sure I didn't leave anybody out. So, like, I'm pretty sure she did the whole thing front to back, which is really great. Awesome. It's a huge undertaking. Uh, Lettered by Richard Starkings, of course, Tim Harkins, Joseph Rubenstein, John Costanza, Jen Bruzenak, Todd Klein, and covers by the almighty Kelly Jones. Fuck yeah. yeah. That might be my favorite visual representation of Batman, like in Red Rain, where he's a vampire fighting vampires. Mm-hmm. The ears are so pointy and they're huge, and he's just like menacing. I, li- I like specifically the one that has Joker in the foreground. It's when the guys escape from Arkham, and it has Batman in the middle, just like spreading his cape. But really, all you see is like the outline of his triangular cape and, and just his face in this silhouette. Yeah, it's like the most gothic, scary version of Batman uh, pretty much ever. I mean, I, I just, when I think back in that time, and I was going to ask you what your guys' introduction to this story was, but I mean, that was that was the time I was buying comics. I think I started buying comics, you know, maybe a year or so before this. And when this came out, I just remember those covers so vividly. This just enormous hulking Bane character and just the scariest horror movie Batman shit and, you know, everything heightened as far as you could take it and just like even just at the grocery store walking past you would see that at a distance and be like whoa you know and so even though i only like had a few of these because i couldn't buy them all the time you know it's a huge story i would read them there in the aisle like you know ben has said before and i'm like i, I never you know, admitted that I didn't. <laughs> like second grade i remember i'd i'd pull these open like holy shit you know i still to this day, my favorite covers are the Asbats covers. I mean, those ones are just phenomenal. I actually eBayed uh, not the Bane breaking over his knee, but the one after that, where like Batman's on the ground and Bane's kneeled down, like holding up, sort of by his chest. You know, um, I have that one signed that I found on eBay, but still, I kept my original Asbats issues because those covers are so fucking awesome that suit is just nasty that's my memory from yeah from childhood is that all those covers with the Azrael batman because that suit is very it's almost like power rangers it's just very uh-huh. 90s 90s in a good way yeah it's like that totally flipped all my switches like yeah it's blue and metallic and full helmet 
it's funny to trace that kind of stuff back to if I would think about characters that I like currently, I'd think like a lot of characteristics may have been related to things that I sort of unconsciously ingested when I was a kid, you know, like any character now who has like metallic spiky fingers like man that's dope he's got gauntlets and turned out it was like all traced back to that stuff yeah i remember a lot of the covers though this stuff didn't really include it but with the earlier Azrael stuff like his fire sword and the way that that would illuminate covers and different scenes you know like this flaming sword is the light source for these pictures yeah and it's interesting because i only knew him from this, and I didn't get the stuff right before. So, like, they talk about Bane and Croc squaring off before, and they talk about, you know, Jean, yeah. Jean Paul's already, like, in the Batcave at this point, you know, and so, like, I, I didn't know any of that going into it. With Harold and Ace also? Yeah, exactly. And so, I thought it was just, like, a predecessor to Airbnb or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually how, like, Bruce transitioned into millionaire-ness was renting out portions of the Batcave. No, he went from millionaire to billionaire by doing that. That's what it was. Oh, it was he was like, he's like, I'm so close, man. You know, like I need another revenue stream that I could tip the scale. I could technically charge for that dog, and that would really be <laughs> extra revenue. Oh, it's a workspace. That's actually more. No one, yeah, no exactly. one else can see this, but this is probably my favorite one. Where yeah, that's awesome. You know, no he's, one has ever he's, drawn or possessed quads like that since. <laughs> Yeah. The other Kelly Jones thing is always like the side muscles. Yeah. They all, oh, it just looks like lats. a million like rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Lats. But like lats don't look like that, right? <laughs> I don't like that I, mean, I can see. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Even his biceps and his forearms in that picture is so freaking huge. It's funny because I remember seeing a statue of Batman recently and he's like sitting on a throne. You know, it's one of those cool like super muscular drawings that it's based off of. But when, when you see it in 3D, it's kind of like, oh, this is ridiculous. I was like, his Whoa. his thighs look like Kelly Jones, like Bane arms or something, you know. But this was <laughs> this was the other one where they recreated their own cover. This is Azrael holding yeah. Batman. Where are all those tumors coming off his ribs? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Azrael awesome. holding Robin in the same way that this issue, uh, 664, this is the one I got signed. With Bane holding Batman uh, yeah, it's really from dope the ground, that they would make opposite covers. That's yeah, a good premise. I mean, that's one of the cool things about this whole series is that you know we were trying to figure out which issues to read collectively because there's so many different collections of it, and it's like, oh, you got to read these Batmans, these detectives. Uh, there's a Catwoman here. There's a Two Face here. There's a Showcase '93. There's all these tie-ins and shit. But they do such a good job of the presentation overall that even though it's jumping from title to title, you can tell what's Nightfall just by walking by like, oh, shit, look at that. You know, even if the header is different. And we still missed some of the other stuff anyways. Like we read so much and still didn't even read everything that could make this a continuous full story. Yeah, I know. But jumping ahead without spoiling the ending, I mean, I think... No spoilers, dude! We never talk spoilers on this show. <laughs> no. Well, it's, it was all a dream. That's a spoiler. <laughs> I wasn't going to say, and I will. Where this ends, where we ended it, I think it's good because... I don't know if they had a plan for the entire story beforehand. This whole thing kind of seemed like a 90s thing of... Batman's not extreme enough, so yeah. we need to give him an extreme villain. Like, 
way more hardcore than anyone has ever been. And then also we need to make Batman more extreme and more hardcore. So we'll just get rid of him and have this like Power Ranger demon guy mm. who kills people and fucking angry all the time. Well, That's it's the new Batman. It's kind of smart though because if you were to give Bruce those traits, everyone would be like, get the fuck out of here. He's not doing that shit. Yeah, you know, left turn into whatever that is. They're like, no, he's got to go more extreme to face this tougher evil. You know, be like, no, no one's going to buy that. And so, uh, yeah, it's like a combo of they painted themselves into a corner by creating this character with such high moral standards yeah. that they couldn't really do it without screwing their own character but they still wanted to have this stuff, so their solution is interject a new character into the storyline. Well, and I have such a love for this series that I was really excited when we were reading the James Tynan run of Detective, and in the later issues, Azrael is more and more prominent. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, right? And like one of the books, the whole arc is largely centered around him, right? But it's all the fucking Saint Dumas shit. And so I was like, oh no, I forgot. I actually kind of hate this character. Like the whole stupid background mind control shit, I really don't care about. Um, You're just like Metal Suit Batman. I liked him as, yeah, so, super off the rails Batman. And so, yeah, I remember like being super excited and then like, oh, I forget that he's actually got all this baggage when you write his character. It's like, oh, now we got to talk about God for the next 10 pages straight. <laughs> I wish, we, I wish we could talk about God for the next 40 pages. So whatever. <laughs> That's a shame, too, because they designed such a cool-looking character, but you don't want to read or know anything about him. No, it's because they took that character in this totally other context is basically how he was introduced, you know? I mean, he had, a, like, a short little intro thing, but, I mean, knowing him as Batman, basically, you know, the whole Asbats thing is what was badass, there's almost nothing of him as Azrael in this. Even the in-between time, he's not Azrael. He's just a ninja in a suit. And that's so, the worst costume I've ever seen. Also, uh, that's so bad. Yeah, that's not super awesome at all. I don't <laughs> like a ponytail out in the wild. It's not well, very practical. He looks just like the uh, the ninja in the animated series. I forget. There's two episodes with his like guy who trained Bruce back in the day. There was like his um, his rival in the dojo or whatever um it was like the night of the ninja or something like that i forget the name but yeah, it looks similar to that at what point is Azrael with the actual fire sword and the hood and the red mask and the sweet cape is that after this or is it before this? i think it was the short run that was right before this okay cool well i think that that's a really dope looking character yeah the regular Azrael. Yeah, that's like what I want to see all the time. I really need somebody with a hood and a fucking fire sword all the time. All right, let's get started. No, you're already Batman. You can't be two characters. Quit hogging the limelight. <laughs> no, Azrael's going to be like, oh, I got my back broken. I need someone to be Azrael. Batman's going to be like, yeah, I'll be him. Oh, trade you. When you were showing that picture of Bane earlier, I was picturing like a bunch of little miniature rock climbers like ascending his <laughs> His torso. <laughs> it's like, honey, I shrunk the kids, but it's all like, oh, this is a, this is a black diamond right here. So uh, I guess let's dive in. I mean, mostly even more extreme than the long Halloween, sort of every issue is a character. We start out, Batman is sick, like Noel. He's just out of it already. 
I don't know where all that came from, honestly. He was yeah. like poisoned or something like that, I think. Or mm. he Why is he got so some sad? Virus. The very first thing we see, though, is way ahead of its time, and then we have like a fucking drone that Bane is running, like the thing that gets him this armory of shit. It's super like corny, comic booky in the way that it's done, but I was like, you know, you could actually tell this now, and it worked the same. It looked like a robot from the 60s. It's a weird yeah. this story. Yeah, it it's is. It's just the robot that looks stupid. The premise isn't bad. It's just the robot that looks stupid. Yeah. It's a 90s version of what the technology we have today is assumed to be, you know. It legitimately looks like a kid's robot toy from, like, the 1950s or something that would have, yeah. like, claw hands that didn't even work as claws. <laughs> like, it's dumb looking. Yeah, everybody knows... Even the Batwing toy, you could really grab shit with it, okay? We don't yeah. want your phony robot hands. Yeah, if I don't have scissors that snip balloons, then I, I don't need that crap at all. In the breakout, he basically takes this armory, figures out where Joker's at inside Arkham, and blasts it with a bazooka, and then air drops all these crates of like machine guns and shit inside. I just love how this opening plays out. You know, it's so huge. It's like, oh, we're going to do a big event, guys. We're not just introducing this new character, but it's like off the fucking rails. You know, I mean, we've seen Arkham breakouts a bunch of times. I don't know how many times prior to this they bust everybody out. But to actually go through it and it's like prison riot, hostile takeover, Oh, they're surrounded by cops. Well, everyone comes out armed to the teeth. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. Jeremiah Arkham is captured by the Joker. I just, I really like the way that the intro plays out, the whole setup of it. I think about those mini what-ifs sometimes at the very beginning of it where he shoots the thing that the bird is holding and I, I just thought, like, what if he shot the bird? But <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, you weren't actually that dumb. Falcon, you're super pissed. You killed the bird. No, the guy's name is Bird. Yeah. The Falcon's name is something else. <laughs> the Falcon is the Falconer, and the guy is the bird. I think so. The bird oh, is the real bird. brains of it. Oh, my bad. One thing I love in the beginning is how Bullock is so disgusting. He's eating in every single He shot. looks like when Team America <laughs> did Michael Moore, and he's just got, like, hot dog <laughs> fucking shit all over him. It's so good. Hey, that's, that's like a unintentional easter egg sam if you just watched oceans 11 brad pitt's character is always eating in every scene i saw that in the trivia he didn't have enough time to eat or something and so he just started eating on camera and then decided <laughs> well since i did that i guess i better keep doing that and that's just his thing that's awesome it's like a dynamic thing for him to be doing when he's not doing anything yeah and it works, but for Bullock, it's just to make him look like a fat slob. Yeah. Like, he's, like, shoving pizza in his mouth and donuts. He just, he's always eating different things. Nothing builds tension to me, like, when the soundtrack cuts and people just start, like, sucking their fingers clean. <laughs> that really... Nothing, nothing gets them more angry. <laughs> so the first villain post-breakout here is Mad Hatter. As silly as Hatter's tea party is... We have this juxtaposed with Bane's brutality where he sends the D-list film freak out there, right? <laughs> My favorite Batman villain. Yeah. You know, to, 
to follow What's this tragic backstory? lead. Can you tell me his tragic backstory? Really? I don't know, but his tragic ending is terrible. <laughs> I he mean, went at a young age and it drove him insane. I mean, so relatable. Bane beats this guy so much. It actually appeared to me at one point that he was already dead, and then he headbutted the dead body. Yeah, the headbutt was extreme. But then yeah. after it, it kind of shows him squirming and making little sounds or whatever. So I'm like, oh no, he he is technically still alive. But I I literally thought he just ripped a guy apart with his bare hands and then headbutted the corpse. <laughs> it's fucking extreme. Yeah, it's it's fucking metal, bro. Yeah. Yeah, you want to talk Dark Knight's metal? Here you go. If it's still making uh, gargle sounds and it's still fair game, everybody knows that. <laughs> and this was not like Black Label. That didn't exist. This was just a regular newsstands for kids comic. I think that what makes it even cooler is that nowadays everything would be paired so well with uh, gritty textures and dark colors and stuff. So you get to see Bane just beat a man to death, and the whole time it's like. Purple, it's just it's just the brightest yellow. it's just the brightest rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if I'm just simple, but uh, yes, like a lot of this. <laughs> no, okay, just, we've been meaning to talk to you <laughs> about this. <laughs> Two out of three, say. Yeah. Uh, just like when we read a Death in the Family, and a lot of these older comics, the colors are still the thing that like blows me away. Yeah, I love yeah. these colors. It's so refreshing to look at compared to even a lot of modern comics, which are really good and look great. They're so dark and so drab. That I like that how, not to say, but it's not bright colors, but it's flat because it doesn't include highlights or, you know, any texture is implied by the pencils or the inks or something. Yeah. You know, it's just drawn in. It's not like an effect that can be applied to it digitally or anything. So you just have these really cool contrasting colors a lot. They don't fit in the lines too, which I kind of like. Whatever oh, process yeah. is to color kind of like sort of gets it, but it ends up looking really kind of nice and rough. I didn't realize how any of that shit was made, and so when we'd be doing, you know, one of the older titles, and I'd be looking at it going, you know, this tiny little colored thing is actually misaligned, and they colored the thing sort of right next to it that's not outlined, and, you know, I'd be like, how does that shit even fly? Like, how does that happen, right? And then I was actually talking to Ev the other day, and we were discussing how he does the, the old dot texturing color layers and stuff and he was showing me like how some of those layers work and I was like oh that actually makes sense and then I started looking at how these books in Nightfall are colored and it's like wow that's actually fucking crazy impressive that they're laying down these layers and these templates and drawing over the fucking thing and just you have to commit to it just hoping that it fucking lines up you know and there's something really cool in a handmade quality about it that at first I was like, oh, this is kind of shoddy, isn't it? But now I'm like, I actually like that because you're seeing the process. Just be, or where someone's hair will just be like a little blob of brown because it would be way too much time to like have it meticulously line up with Commissioner Gordon's head or something. Or there's a scene where uh, Robin is in the foreground and then there's a wide shot and he's in the background. And on the close-up shot everything looks normal but on the far away shot the r on his chest is drawn but it's so small that they just chose not to try to color it you know there's like little things you just can't do with that minute detail i don't know what that process looks like but especially the misaligned part almost makes it seem like the stuff was silk screened Mm -hmm. like in the way that you would do a t-shirt totally but if your t-shirt is multiple colors 
the t-shirt stays in the same place the whole time, but the screen is made to line up better. You know, your t-shirt is the stationary thing, but if you were to attempt to replace the t-shirt in precisely the place that the last one was, that would be really hard. And so that's kind of how those misalignments of color strike me. I don't know what the process is, but it's like something just got shifted and well, that's permanent, I suppose, or whatever. I actually wanted to bring up the Firefly part since we're talking about color. The firelit Batman is something that looks really awesome. And I listened to Sean Murphy and Clay McCormick's show, Batman, the animated series show podcast. And they just break down episodes of that show. And don't, don't leave here. Keep listening. And, um, wait, were you talking to me? <laughs> no, the listeners don't turn off our show and be like, Sean Murphy has a Batman podcast. Oh my God, I'm gonna stop listening to these guys. No, but um, that sounds way better. But Clay will always point out when they do Batman standing at like an explosion or something, and how cool he looks in those colors. And from the first season, he'd point out when that was awesome. But then it's become like a running gag on that show that he would have Batman at this big climactic fire at the end or whatever. And he's like, look, all those other characters are firelit. He's in the same frame and he's just regular Batman. Like, why didn't they fucking do it? You know? So I actually tagged him in a, when I was posting pictures from this that I thought looked really great. Uh, he reposted my shit like, yes, firelit Batman. So I thought that was cool. <laughs> oh, because he did it. Yeah. That's, I like that. I don't know that I can describe it super well, but speaking of like, interesting colorations or just challenges but if you look at the kelly covers Uh i'm just scoping them out and i'm thinking like this stuff it doesn't line up super hot or i don't get why this is colored a certain way and some of it was kind of that's not really how i would do it or it seemed like a miscoloring or something but then i also realized that if you look at his stuff kelly does very few like hard outlines like if a character was standing behind another character he doesn't really create like defined borders to separate that's true it's very soft lines exactly so those would just be blob white shapes they don't have lines they're more or less like separated by the other shadows but then you also might have two characters that aren't separated by a line or anything. They're just the white shapes bleed into the white shapes and the black shapes bleed into the black shapes. Yeah. And so the ending of the shape instead is created by the the colorist. They're like, oh, well, this is like a blue highlight on Batman's cape. And then that's Bane's flesh-toned skin. So that's the end of that shape, I guess. And so it almost, it has kind of a watercolor effect, but I just thought that, that's quite the challenge for the colorist and also like what an interesting way to draw because those black and white pictures must look just like some crazy <laughs> yeah, have you ever just seen some crazy them? shapes um i don't i don't think i have think so. and or like I, what that looks like in black and white i don't, I don't think, think so, there's a... i can like hardly imagine it well okay like look at his um what's the issue number of that if anyone wants to look at it issue number 493 of batman okay yeah yeah like if his shoulder highlight wasn't highlighted by the colorist if it didn't go blue into that golden color into the pink Mm -hmm. stormy background there would be nothing to separate like where are his shoulders there's no ending to that shape only his dark ears stand in the front of it otherwise his 
white shoulders are the white background. It's so crazy. Well, and I didn't see another colorist credited for covers specifically, so I'm wondering if he no. did all of his own stuff. Well, that would make it easier because then he wouldn't have to try to <laughs> tell anybody <laughs> what to do with his stuff. That's a pretty crazy triple threat also if you were penciling, inking, and coloring your own stuff. I mean, if you think about, like, Bermejo has been doing these covers. Oh, you and Bermejo, that's all you ever talk about. <laughs> oh, check off your bingo box. <laughs> but, like, right now he's been doing variant covers for Detective for last six months or a year, and yeah. those are just one-off pieces he's doing start to finish himself, you know? And we did talk about that before, where the one person is kind of the full package, or they'll have like under rendered pencils so that they can finish them with ink because that's like actually where they excel, or they just do everything because their vision is not complete unless it's just them start to finish. Well, and just the idea that when you're doing a cover, you have a little more time to do everything. It's not like you're doing a whole issue and you have to put in the work three times over you know it's like oh sure if you want to hire me to do these monthly covers or in this case it's batman and detective so he's probably doing twice a month you know uh -huh. then yeah i can bust one of those out every two weeks if i do the complete sure why not yeah. i don't know how much those dudes are making but that sounds like a solid gig yeah like if you didn't actually have to create a panels on pages that told a story if you just got to do pinup art and paid a couple times a month that would be the shit well what about we talked before about having like a cover that looks super cool and then you open it and it's like a different artist altogether i mean i never really had that with these books because you're still getting bray fogel aparo Ballant. you know you're still getting like all these great artists inside even when it's different than the cover i think if you were to read a whole book that was this over the top style it would like take you out of the story almost because it's so exaggerated. Well, that's Batman Red Rain. The whole thing is Kelly Jones. Mm. Also, I have another book too that's called like Blood something or other. And honestly, I have, I don't know where that book came from. I stole it as a blacked out youth. I have no <laughs> idea. But it's in my room now. And that whole thing is drawn by Kelly. And I haven't read it, but Batman appears to be like a vampire in it or something. Yeah. yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. They did two, I think. Maybe I'm just misnaming it. Yeah, the okay. other one is called Bleh. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> <Sport>. one's, <laughs> called, one's called Blood Sport, the other one's called Sport Blood. <laughs> actually, that's contrary to your thought, Sam. That's actually one of my like mini cons early on is that I just wanted to see Jones draw this entire thing. <laughs> yeah, the fact that the color palettes of the covers and the interior match, it wasn't too jarring to open it up and see it wasn't done by him. I mean, it's sort of like a movie poster that's like wild and stylistic, but it's not the actual people, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, compared I to I just this, really like it. Where the fuck am I going? This, uh, that cover within, like, that image, even though it's different artists, it still fits, like the, not just the color palette, but how much of it is dark, how much of it is light. The tone, yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I think that I just like Jones's stuff a lot, and I was, yeah. Well, maybe it would be a little too much, and maybe it's a little too horror. I think that they're telling a pretty new, pretty graphic story, and so if it was him the entire time, it would be fine, and I think that it would fit. Yeah, maybe maybe he makes too much money. Well, yeah, that's just his, a lot of work, yeah, though. Maybe his skills are so high. I mean, he's out of the price range. I had a long list of artists who 
drew this series, I mean, that would be next to impossible for one person to do. Yeah, that's true. Especially considering um, that artists, because this, I don't know what you would call that, but you have a character and then you have sub-titles, you know? You have X-Men, you have Uncanny X-Men, you have Astonishing X-Men. I don't know what you call those little subtitles, but all of those things are telling one story. And it's, I think, really rare to have all of that if four books tell a single story, one artist isn't drawing all four of those books. So yeah, that's just Kelly. Crazy. Kelly wouldn't be drawing every. He'd only be drawing one title or like one storyline, not like the fear of Batman stuff. He wouldn't also be doing that stuff uh, that ties into this storyline. Yeah, which again, huge shout out to Adrian Roy because that's. Did I say Adrian Roy? Is that her last name? Yeah, okay, Adrian Roy. Because I was thinking when I said Roy, I was like, wait, that's the last name of the fucking family on Succession. I might be fucking that up. (laughs) (laughs) Watch too much TV. I do. I watch too much HBO. Um, I wanted to shout out a couple little Robin things in the beginning that are amusing to me. That awesome haircut, that amazing mullet thing he has going on. I loved Tim's style in this. This era was sort of my introduction, and so... When he had his spinoff books that started around this time, that was my shit. And I, I loved when the animated series came out. I had posted my, my original Fox Kids magazine ad for when that was coming. You could tell it was like a rushed advertisement, too, because it wasn't even colored. It was like a full-color cover, but the majority of it was this black-and-white rendering of Batman and Catwoman and Penguin and shit, you know? So that was like announcing that that show was coming. But I love that they used the modernized Tim Drake design for Dick on the show. Because I, I just like the darker colors. I love the multicolored cape. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Just all the updates they did to make... I just think the haircut is bad. It's, it's <laughs> I don't mind 90s. it. It's very extreme. Man, good Nightwing has the king mullet. Oh yeah, this, Nightwing's in the short part that he's in there. Yeah, you want to talk about bad hair? Come on. Oh, dude, I think that that suits him, and I like it. It looks like a fucking badass. Anyway, <laughs> the Tim shit in the beginning. That so they find the body of Film Freak, Batman and Robin show up, and Tim basically throws up. I mean, he doesn't fully, but he. <laughs> It makes him sick looking at the corpse. And again, just another like beat of realism in the Bane story of like, ha-ha, Matt Hatter and his mind control and blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, oh, and here's a dead body next to a dumpster in an alley. Just smashed in face. Yeah. Oh, and they're listening to him get murdered. You know, like while they're doing the Matt Hatter stuff, they got like the mic going because uh, yeah. Film Freak has his communications with Matt Hatter and stuff, so they're yeah. like listening to him die. Yeah, listening to a murder. All the bone yeah, breaking rough. and <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there's a funny scene where uh, Robin has been watching the Falcon, and he catches Bird up on the roof, and uh, they start to fight, but somehow Bird gets the upper hand in the fight, and Robin Which is, is down. He's a dumb villain but, that doesn't make. But it is dumb that he couldn't take a a henchman like this. But what's funny to me is that Bird answers the phone while fighting. Robin is down. Bird has the upper hand. But he takes a call from Bane and is talking to him. He's like, oh, no, I got it taken care of. You know, like, don't don't worry about it. 
Like <laughs> two birds beat one bird. Anyways, that's just math. It makes sense. Get out of here! I don't like those kind of puns. No. You need to leave. Uh, I, no, I, I went to I went to school. That's math. No, leave now. You need to go, um, dude. I'm at my house. Go outside. Where, okay. Yeah, where do you want me to go? We're not in the same place. I get picked up by the cops. So like, <laughs> this guy. Do you know the homeowners? You're menacing these people. Yeah, um, some bald hobo. Out the <laughs> angry because he went bald. My, my friends told me to leave the podcast. <laughs> On what? Get out of here. That guy go outside. What you guys don't know is that I podcast without pants on, and so then when I go directly outside, that's my wiener's out. They told me to just Busted. go. I didn't have yeah, time. Yeah, I, I know what they say. I'm also not wearing pants, just to be honest here. I wear pajama that's, pants that's every day of my life. Yeah, you can't see anyway. I like the way Robin's introduced in that scene when he sneaks up on Bird, because it was a very Batman-type shot where yeah. like he's entirely in shadow, but like his mouth reflects the light. So it's just like this menacing smile, which maybe is the one thing that Batman wouldn't do. He wouldn't smile. But it would be that same kind of shot where you just see his eyes and his mouth as he's about to beat the shit out of someone. Yeah, Batman doesn't smile unless he's breaking bones. I do like the uh, bit with ventriloquist and amygdala. I think that that is kind of fitting because he's not like a strong villain. He's a a crazy old man. And so getting some big dumb muscle right out the gate is smart. And I like their scene. I mean, that fight, what are they in like a toy store where he's trying to get a new puppet? Yeah. Yeah. You can already see that early on. Batman is just fucked, you know, it actually makes the most sense to me because we don't know what was going on with this before, you know, Batman had, food poisoning or something (laughs) but the mental stuff would only wear batman down so far i think it would really be the physical stuff that would really take its toll on him you know like no sleep and then getting your ass beat all the time so to pit him against a really physical villain fairly early on makes a lot of sense to me yeah there must have been some kind of disconnect between the character design in the issue and on jones's cover because jones's cover of that guy has like a goatee and looks like an older dude. Mm. And then in the issue, he looks like a super roided out Looney Tunes baby. Yeah. Baby face <laughs> for sure. Is that the scene? I don't know if it's then or later when Batman does a double footed kick into somebody. It's either then or against Bane or somebody, but Oh yeah, that might be in the store. Worn down. He remarks after that. He's like, I can feel the shock from the blow all the way down my spine. And like, <laughs> that was a bad just really, Yeah, he's just really not uh, doing very well. That turns out if you kick a car, it still hurts you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see that super maniacal Robin shadow face that you're talking about, too. He looks like a yeah. psycho. Yeah, got, what page is like that on? Creepy smile. It's page 66 in my book. I just think that's a fantastic shot. I like those as much as I've said, like, I like Batwoman and Batgirl more, mainly just because they're bats. I like the, I like the theming of keeping that. You just like, like the girls. And Robin is dumb. He's girls, yeah. That's part of it, yes. It's but, gross. Like, but I, do like I only like moments. a Robin with tits, okay? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what he's missing. I, I'd be more invested in the character if he had breasts, yeah. But it's those moments when you see in the different Robins them as the protege of Batman, yeah. also being like Batman. I 
really like that kind of stuff. Not just like dumb little goofball to humanize him or like go like, whoa, you're too out there, Batman. I'm plucky. None of that. <laughs> He's also a sadist who beats people up on roofs and yeah. smiles. That's why you really like that Green Lantern scene. Yeah, where they're beating the shit out of him. <laughs> where he gets his house painted? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have counted. I should have taken a toll. But there's like an exorbitant amount of backhand punches in this comic book. There's so many. Like either these artists just had hard boners for backhand or they just didn't know what they were doing. There's just a ton. It's, it's a running theme, I think. Well, the choreography in general, I like. Because again, compared to modern comics where maybe you'll get like one big splash panel or one single page of like a really dynamic shot. The camera angle will be from the ground looking up and it'll be cool. Where this has just a lot of flat, fully in frame. They almost look like illustrations from like a like an anatomy textbook. Yeah. Like a gymnast or a fighter or something. They probably so are. Of, probably just copied from that. No, I mean, they're, they're, they're probably based off of things like that. I mean, a lot of artists I'm sure would use reference. Well, and it looks really good. There's a shot later on when Bane tosses Batman off the roof and like he bounces from awning to awning and his pose each because they show all of his it's like one style. continuous shot yeah it's like legs are like spread eagle in one and then he's bouncing sideways in the other it's nice it looks good that, I, that Batman spread eagle is nice yeah yeah just spread everybody that's what I'm looking for it's well, far away okay yeah I literally want a two page spread <laughs> Right down the pipe. Just bounce him like a rag doll. <laughs> that Toy Story fight is actually a good example of that because I can remember one page where it's pretty much a fight scene and it doesn't have any defined panels. It's just like multiple hits. Yeah, exactly. Just like boom, bam, boom. So your eyes go around the page, but it's not this panel, this panel, really like showing the entire fight. It's cool. It's, it makes it a little more artistic and they're showing you quite a bit of it does that fight end with where batman gets clocked by amygdala and then robin gets clocked by bird and they're like it's a shot of both of them getting punched in the face cut down the middle yeah because it's when amygdala is yelling kill you and bird's talking on the phone and bird's on the phone <laughs> wise guy huh i hate wise guys um so not quite as powerful dialogue but uh yeah it's a great shot the split screen yeah i love that yeah, that's to kill you. I do want to acknowledge, because Ventriloquist is a small part of this story, when he pops up later, and again, this is for children, but the, uh, the best theory, way <laughs> for this character's story to end, I feel like, is <laughs> that he... I don't remember if he gets Scarface back, but whatever. He's got two puppets yeah. then. He's got Scarface yeah. and Socko. Yeah, yeah. Socko. And then the two puppets start fighting with each other, and he shoots himself in the head. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I mean, if you had just a one-shot, like, Heart of Ice ventriloquist story, that's how it's going to end eventually. Like, that, <laughs> I just like that. He's always done shit before, like, where you see him have the puppet up threatening to shoot himself. So I, I just liked that. I thought that was a perfect wrap-up for him. It was uh, out of left field. I was not expecting that, and it was. I liked it. Unnecessary yeah. for this story, and yet great. <laughs> the Grubhub guy shows up and keeps <laughs> murder has to bounce out. Well, and it's cool because you don't. There doesn't have to be any Batman resolution to that part. 
there's your end of the ventriloquist stuff, and Batman didn't have anything to do with it. Well, at one point, Batman lists off all the people who have been captured, and he includes Film Freak on the list, which I thought was hilarious, because he's just in, like, ah. he's in the middle. Like, they slipped it in there. Like, okay, all the Arkham escapees, uh, who's left? Well, we've already got this one, this one, this one, this one, Film Freak, this one, and this one. I was like, oh, you just put that in the middle? You count the dead guy? He's just trying to bolster his numbers. Yeah. Um, he, he actually counts Sockos. Like, definitely. <laughs> Sockos, the, worst, the worst of all the villains. Socko and Scarface, yeah. Yeah, that's a threefer. One of my favorite issues that's most memorable is the Victor Zaz issue. He throws the dead cops out of the window. He's holding all these throats. hostages. Yeah, I mean, it is brutal. What's up with his eyeballs? I like it. They ex- makes him look what like a demon. Extend what past they- his face, yeah. Like, is he wearing sunglasses that don't have a nose piece? Or is yes. that... Yeah, that's is what it is. If there's one thing you got to know about Zaz, he's doing what you're saying. He, <laughs> he wears, wears sunglasses. sunglasses at night. Yeah. <laughs> with, yeah, with no bridge, no frame. Yeah, he's, he's scowling so hard that his lenses are kept in place by his brows. You know, he takes like all the scar tissue from when he cuts himself, and then he like extended his menacing eyebrows. You know, so uh, it so would just. The second thing you have to know about Zaz, it's that that he does that with yeah. scar tissue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. I'm really trying to like, what's his motivation, you know? Like, uh, like, what's his look? I like it because it makes him look even more inhuman, where he's just like a piece of shit serial killer. And he's trying to convince Batman that they're the same. And for all the things that Batman is, Batman is not that. Even though we, some of these stories look at him as like his own sadism or something, he's not really like that. He's not a predator. Yeah. We get a great scene with Montoya. Because, I mean, the girls... It's very much like a normal hostage dynamic. You have a bunch of people are scared. You have one person who's like, let's take no shit. Let's charge him, right? And and that makes people even more nervous. Like, is this going to work? And then she does it and gets taken out immediately. You <laughs> it know? doesn't work if you do it by yourself. And That's then idea, no. Montoya comes in and is going to save the day and ends up getting captured too. And it's just like there's so much danger in this story. There's so much at stake. It's not in any way hindered by the silliness of some of the other character storylines. Either just before this or just after this, Batman fights a villain whose shtick is being a pirate. <laughs> like, what, what the hell? Is- yeah, I'm glad that we didn't read that part. He beat the buccaneer and yeah. took out all three of the musketeers. <laughs> well, this story is kind of caught between two worlds. You know, It's got the vintage camp as well as the modern darkness you know i was just talking today evan about the 10th anniversary of our death proof album and how you know you could see all these seeds planted for where things went creatively in the future but i made sure to say this isn't a very good album though i mean if you listen to it it is bad but you have good things and it's sort of just this like growing pains moment of like there's the silliness and the mediocre performances before we found our voices but then there's also more developed writing and the bigger ideas that are developed later on in future work and so i feel that way about this story of of kind of when it took place it's got killing joke darkness but it's also got a lot of the charman rosen gee golly you know and so it's like they hadn't quite gotten through that 
yet. And again, like we're talking about with Batman and his morality, the people who are handling the stuff currently or were handling the stuff then are still kind of at the mercy of the world that somebody else made without totally like revamping stuff. Yeah. So Mad Hatter exists whether you like it or not. You know, those dudes are there. And so you have, by contrast, a very real villain like Zaz. He's got crazy, inexplicable eyeballs. He wears underpants. He kills people with a knife and he cuts himself. That could be a real life dude. And that's really scary. Uh, you also have to interject uh, some random, like, super-dressed-up weirdos. That's just, that's just the world we're living in. Well, and I like that with Ventriloquist. Ventriloquist kind of bridges the gap there also because he is, like, a dumb old Batman villain. But yeah. also, he shoots himself in the face. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's a nice... I mean, he can be done well, you know, I, I, I was actually, I, I wrote down in my notes that I would actually really like to see a Scarface ventriloquist character in a movie. Like if, if Matt Reeves could incorporate a real fucked up guy like this, even in a minor role could be well done, you know, that's could be. It would, it'd believable. It'd be really easy to be like a bad saw. Yeah. I, I like, think what I like about him actually is more the, the animated series portrayal of yeah. him mm-hmm. it would be like if the harvey side of two-face was more actively struggling and like a larger contrast between the two-faced character because in the, in the animated series i got the feeling that the ventriloquist was just kind of like an old man and he couldn't control scarface and stuff and he's just like whatever you want to do like he was yeah. just kind of along for the ride and he could it was almost like he was like i mean we know what's up the dude has split personalities or something but it was like the old man was being kidnapped the whole time so yep. instead you felt for that dude because he was at the mercy of this we know it's just a doll with a gun um, <laughs> and a hand in his butt uh, <laughs> but you really feel for the guy um, but I think that it does make a character that you can get behind because instead you you feel for him because it's like they're a victim yeah more like that poor Batman villains are tragic they're not just nut jobs there's for sure something about him that like you pity and you wouldn't wish that on somebody or that when they break out of prison he immediately has to take his shoe off take his sock off to make a puppet that's about as close as this book gets to that but it is like a compulsion where he's a slave to it yeah exactly or the thought that um scarface is the one doing all the killing and all the while he is there as a witness to these murders but seemingly unable to do anything about it you know like he doesn't want to watch these people die he doesn't want to do whatever they're doing but yeah i mean like what if scarface wants to have like puppet sex and the old man has to just hang out while the puppets do their stuff go on <laughs> i'm listening i mean what's that like right? you know like it's like conjoined twins or something you know like what's the other one doing what is the, what's going on you just turn your head and they together read a book it's like wood parts like when you take your action figures and just mash them together so i want to talk about one of my favorite issues well we want to talk about this is yeah this is why we are a top rated batman podcast (laughs) nobody else is offering content like this i wanted to mention this era of catwoman ak-47 vietnam catwoman is weird um the stories are strange. I mean, some globe-trotting, like, weird shit going on. But the artwork was always so awesome. And as I was rereading this, and I'm trying to make sure that I credit everyone as the artists change, 
I started the Killer Croc issue and I was like, wait, Jim Ballon did some of this? I didn't realize he did any of the Batman titles at the same time that he's doing this Catwoman shit because, I mean, that's what he's most known for. But his fucking Bane is so good. His Croc is so good. Like the close-ups of Croc's face and shit is just like scary, man. Like the detail, it's got a little extra realism like the Brayfogle stuff has a little extra darkness to it a little jagged edges and cape flourishes and stuff like that and the balance stuff just these big scary fucking dudes look i just i really thought that issue stood out art wise we've talked about how croc as a character could kind of run the gamut from man with extreme psoriasis <laughs> to, <laughs> to animal person. Yeah. And I think that this version of him is a good hybrid of man, reptile, double yeah. cast. Yeah, it really is. This was one of those parts where I, it became obvious to me that I hadn't read everything that was kind of available to me because Croc shows up and he's already mad at Bane and already has two broken arms and I felt like I wasn't getting the whole story. <laughs> Something's off about this. Like, all right, so you, yeah, you were spurned by a date gone bad. Yeah. <laughs> like the close-ups of Croc's mouth. What issue is that? He's putting a rat in his mouth. Yeah, that's good stuff. It's Detective 660. The cover on this one's actually kind of goofy. It's like Bane and Croc squaring off over a tied-up Tim it's not my favorite cover, but like as soon as you pop it open, you just get like Croc's red eyes popping out of the water in the sewer. And again, you see him like salivating, holding this rat up to his mouth in the next shot. And it's just fucking oh, yeah. scary. Yeah, Croc reaching for the rat. That's crazy. Oh. It's on some Solomon Grundy sewer buffet stuff. <laughs> well, and we get this great part with Bullock. So Zaz has been apprehended. Batman's like just perched on the roof trying to catch his breath. And Bullock like took a nap up there. But like Bullock's throwing Zaz in the car and he says, I'd do you right here and now, but I don't want to spend the rest of my 20 talking to internal affairs. You know, like, <laughs> again, Bullock is, is very well done in this series. He's not a big part of it, but every time he pops up, it's like, yep, that is spot on. Yeah. Like that line he says to Zaz right before that. You just keep right on staring holes at me, Zaz. I've been eye bugged by better than you. So I've been I fucked. Yeah, exactly. That's a fuck. Yeah. I do you right here. Yeah, that oh part God. of the sewers with the brick walkway action, though. Yeah, it's not conveyed as cinematic as it could be, but you can picture it in a movie as being like a real, um, you know, Star Wars Luke father reveal out on the mm -hmm. catwalk, or even um, similar vibes to Dark Knight Rises or something, because they're really like having to balance or when Croc gets introduced and all of a sudden they're brawling and Robin's not really being focused on. So you could have like Robin in the movie, like how's he blindfolded, you know, no hands available traversing this like precarious brick walkway and stuff. Well, and again, that's one of those where like, I can't remember what we read where a car goes off the cliff in one of these stories and Robin jumps out of the car and catches his chest. Yeah, there you go. Catches his chest on the wow. fucking tree branch and then does a backflip over yeah. the guardrail to get back. I mean, this is a situation that anybody else is going to fall. And, and yeah, right immediately. <laughs> and, and he does fall, but it's only when they break the actual 
bridge, the arc, you know. And so everybody falls. Yeah, and so again, like he's he's really well suited for that environment. I, I also really like how he gets caught. I was telling Ben I've been watching the Daniel Craig James Bond movies and kinda reminded me of one of those where he's on the bridge spying on Bane and kind of hearing his plan, realizing like, oh fuck, he is just waiting for all these dudes to tire out Batman and then strike. And then he's following Bane on the train and that's when he gets caught. But I like the pursuit and the way that that looks and then they go into the tunnel and that whole scene was cool because, I mean, we've already seen how much of a threat Bane is. And so to put little old Robin up against him, it's like, oh, fuck. What kid who just got beat up by Bird. Didn't we see... Maybe it was in the in the Ninja Turtles one or something. There's like a Bane scene and like Robin fights him off by himself or something. I was like, what the fuck is that? You know, but in this, in this, I like it because it's short. He's thinking he's trailing him stealthily. He gets found out. Bane doesn't want to kill him. He wants to use him for information. So there's a reason for him to not get crushed and thrown off the bridge. You know, it kind of foreshadows the main theme of this whole story is that Batman has limits. Yeah. And the idea of the character only, it's like, well, he never really, like, Jason Todd dies, and that's not because Batman had limits and, and that, like, he, he failed directly. He just was torn in too many directions. But this story is him at his breaking point and, like, lying to himself, telling him, like, oh, you know, normal men learn their limits and then they know not to cross them. Yeah. I ignore my limits. And then eight issues later, he gets his back broken and he's in a wheelchair. He's not <laughs> yeah. back anymore. Well, and so that's... That's, that's all leading up to that. Like, he is not he has limits also. And it's that same with Robin where Batman told him, he's like, whatever, I'm busy, I'm sick, just don't fight Bane. Yeah. You can do other stuff, just don't fight Bane. And he goes and he does it. And exactly. it doesn't work out. It reminds me of that scene from The Dark Knight where he has that whole like, know your limits, Master Wayne. And he's like, Batman doesn't have limits. You know, like, can't, uh, can't afford to. And he's like, well, Bruce Wayne does, motherfucker. You know, like, yeah. reel it in. But there's this great part where the guys are like, let's go for it. Like, look at him. He's all worn down. He's beaten up. Like, let's strike. And he says, no, he can't just be physically weakened, but he has to be mentally exhausted as well. You know, and he's not there yet. Exactly. We see he's still so driven to stop this. We have to put in the time and do this right. What a tease. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a thing with Bane in this story where he is good, and as the story goes on, you see a little more of the menace. And I suppose the overall releasing all the villains from Arkham is like, that's bad. But they're trying really hard. Like they keep telling you like, you're the pure embodiment of evil. You're the most evil thing I've ever encountered. And I just kept thinking like, that's not true. That's all the <laughs> stuff that you're going through. That's you're just telling me that. Cause like he's a new extreme villain. He's gonna, and the only reason he beats Batman is just because Batman had to do all this other shit and he was sick. It works, but they are really trying to tell you how Bane is just the worst guy ever, and he's kind of well. The thing where he's going to mail somebody's children's eyes to them or family's eyes, yeah. like okay, that's bad, but Joker's worse. Yeah, but he's Joker's intelligence and manipulation with the Incredible Hulk, you know, physicality, uh, and so I think that's what makes it is that if he were one or the other, it wouldn't be the same. 
But the fact that Batman wasn't sick and worn down, he would have beaten him. Yeah, but again, he's playing chess. He's not fucking showing up in the Batcave on issue one. He waits and waits and waits and knows he's going to take the bait because what choice does he have? The Cavalier Pirate Man could have shown up and beat him at that point. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think that Ben is right. How can you know who is actually stronger if you're not on a level playing field? They're proposing all these things about Bane's character that I think that are true because of the way that he looks and the stuff that they told me. But what I do like is more backstory or more ruthlessness or more actual encounters himself with Batman that he takes part in and then leaves and then fights him again and then leaves or something like that. I want to take you at your word, but I can't really take you at your word. You can't just tell me that this guy is super smart and super strong because you drew him with muscles and he's <laughs> examples of stuff. Well, I'm bought in, even if you fuckers aren't. I'm not that trustworthy. I don't know who these artist people are. I'm not just, I can't just take their word for it. When we watched Dark Knight Rises, that's what struck me because the movie did a better job of making Bane seem like a real threat across the board and a true challenge. Whereas the book was just like, he's a fucking awesome 90s villain design. And then a whole lot of telling us how badass he is. Fine. Yeah, I feel feel like there's a lot of talk. You fucking idiot, you dummy. Yeah, there's a lot of talk. There's not enough action. There's not enough Bane stuff. Fine. Um, (laughs) Joker, exercising his manipulation that we just talked about. Him and Crane team up to take on the mayor, who then get the firefighters to strike and then calls in Firefly to fuck shit up. Again, sort of pulling the puppet strings, making some chess moves like, well, if the two of us work together, we could really fuck shit up, you know? And really having no end game beyond that. It's it's fine. Fear and chaos. Yeah, exactly. Joker has good lines in this. Hi, guard. Buy meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Spiders, snakes, bad sushi. I like when Robin goes and investigates the Firefly origins, like goes to the orphanage, and there's that creepy, blacked-out, shadowy nun figure. It's sort of got V for Vendetta vibes to it. And with no explanation either, because there's nothing after that. Like, was that a ghost nun? Yeah, there's no... Amber and I have been watching through the um, Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and Freddy Krueger's mom was like a nun at an asylum and stuff, and so I was like, whoa. Pulling <laughs> straight from that. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. Maybe they're huge West Craven fans or something. But, like, where's the callback? It was never really explained. Pretty yeah, good girl was Firefly like yeah. stuff. She's just a nun. I don't know. Yeah, they have the same mom. I don't, yeah, they're brothers. Oh. Freddy Krueger Freddy <laughs> and Firefly are Firefly's another villain that I like. He, he seems like a villain on paper that would be kind of stupid. Or not stupid, but just, like, bland. Guy who starts fires and flies around. But he has one of those backstories and motivations that's more towards the modern side of Batman villains, which I like. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that he's just, like, a pyromaniac, and he's just obsessed with that. Well, and it's just he's, another character that is is very different and we don't get enough of, you know? It's, it's a yeah. nice other color in the palette, you know? One of my favorite random Batman stories is a novel that's called Inferno. And they basically take Firefly and update him and they call him Enfer. 
like a disgruntled former firefighter who like knows that shit really well and applies it. Backdraft? Or am I confusing that? I don't know. I never saw that. What? I remember my parents um, seeing it, it when it was is, new. Uh, spoiler alert: the man causing all the fires in Backdraft is a firefighter. Mm, I gotcha. knew it because I saw the movie. But, and my dad would attest that like every firefighter is actually part pyromaniac. <laughs> I mean that doesn't surprise me. You gotta have something wrong with you to run into that every day. Yeah, you gotta kinda like it somehow. Well, look at the colors, it's so neat. Look at the way it crumples. It's elemental. The fifth grade me would uh, have been right on board with that. Yeah. And the now you come on, don't lie. No, I've retired that part of myself. I scared myself a little. <laughs> Starting fires outside requires going outside. And I don't yeah. do that oh, yeah, that was it. There you go. It's windy out here. Uh. <laughs> it's so much air outside. Despite being kind of dumb, the guy who flies around sets fires, the way they paint him convinces me, like, oh, this is a guy who would cause trouble for Batman. Yeah. This would be a legitimate problem for Batman in the city, even though he's not biggest mastermind or the toughest guy or immortal or something like that i think that that's a very real world problem you know batman's not out there fighting industrial complex fires but at the same time if gotham is just as concerned in general that you have like one dude in a singular bank robbery incident or something is like holding up a corner store and that's like a relatively small containable incident or something but if you have this dude because the thing about firefly is that he's um a pyro leveled up though so he's yeah. not just like start, he's not just starting mini fires and watching them blossom he's like i'm gonna take this whole huge stretch of the city and burn it all at the it's same like time and that's mr like, freeze level that's an issue yeah yeah his scale is big and that's an issue uh back to bane as we move forward there's a cool shot where He's watching this uh, rich people charity event. He sees Bruce and goes, that's him. And one of his guys is like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Bruce Wayne. He's the guy who fucking... He's like, no, that is him. I can tell just by his fucking broken like posture and <laughs> demeanor, like, that's the fucking dude, you know? You guys are talking about, like, well, they keep telling us he's smart. They're not showing it. Well, that's fucking showing... No, that's pretty good. You could do that with anyone. You, like, you could draw a villain and have that villain go, that's Batman. I just know. Well, he's been telling us. Yeah, but he's been watching him, studying him. And then when he sees this dude, he's like, y you know, you can't hide from me by taking off your mask. I could fucking Maybe. see it. We'll meet in the middle on this one. Yeah, but, you're wrong. Yeah, but they could have just as easily been like, that's him. That's Bruce Wayne. No, that's Batman. Why do you know that? Just because, <laughs> and, we just have to and we would just have to believe it. Just because, no. Trust with, me, Bird. Yeah, shut up, man. I mean, the idea that like he sees his body and sees his movements. Yeah, there's something to that. If shoulder hair is any indication of how smart a person is, then I'm the smartest man here, Bird. Oh man. When I was like flipping through stuff, and I was like pretty awestruck by the quantity of his shoulder hair. Then I had to trace it back to like the emergence of his shoulder hair. I couldn't tell if it was just something that one artist picked up and then just started to roll with, but it was actually the venom itself triggered the shoulder hair. Because <laughs> it's a, it's a side prior effect. To, yeah, prior to the venom, he didn't have shoulder hair. And then once 
being subjected to it, that's when all the, the shoulder hair emerged. Wasn't that like a Neil Adams thing? Like Neil Adams drew Bruce out of costume with like chest hair or something. And that was like a big thing of like adding. No, it really was like at the time it was like, wow, they actually added some realism. Like this is a, a more believable human guy when you see what he actually looks like. He's like you know? completely hairless. Yeah, that was a real thing. I, I feel like it was Neil Adams. I, I'm not 100% on that, but I know that occurred and was significant. That's like the Jim Lee boots. You know, that's my, that's my <laughs> exactly. Mark is like Harry Bruce. Every artist after that's like, oh, fuck, I have to draw all these yeah. Son of <laughs> I was content with just Metro billionaire Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Gets waxed every yeah, he, three days. Alfred waxes him. I don't want to draw that crap. Come on. So in the charity, Ivy gasses everyone. Bruce sees it coming and puts in his little uh, nose blocker things, filters. And, and what's funny is right after this, we had those crazy bad wildfires and the smoke was all everywhere, even in the houses. And uh, I saw that you can buy those little things for filtering like smoke and particles. And I went to a bunch of stores trying to find and I don't go to stores at all anymore but I was going everywhere trying to find uh, air purifiers and filters and but I was looking for those little fucking Batman <laughs> nose things too and nobody had them that just made me think about merchandise and I was thinking about like bat brand butt plugs <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that exists uh, yeah I guarantee you that's a thing uh, too big of a property to not to have sex toys also for sure what do we think about um Bruce pretending to be drugged by Poison Ivy and uh, kicking her right in the face. That's all good. I just <laughs> I thought that it was kind of funny when um, Ivy is just really drawing out the smooches with guys because she just loves that stuff. Uh, <laughs> but she's going to kiss Lucius, and Batman kicks her, but kicks from the back, and so that would project the people together. And I was like, oh. what if they kiss? Like, what if they kiss? You just kick their faces together. Or you break out Lucius's front teeth. Yeah. <laughs> then there's a really weird meta moment where the Riddler has a bomb scare on a parody of Sally Jesse Raphael. The names, the names are so good. It's uh, Cassie Jesse Rudolfo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and there's also there's Link Rambo for Rush Limbaugh. Oh yeah, and yeah. Harry Mann for Larry King. <laughs> <laughs> that's like uh, second only to uh, the Ayatollah is the, uh, is the Sally Jesse Raphael portrait well and this was in my easter eggs for later but Dr. Simpson Flanders yeah I oh, mean nice. not only the wordplay there but his whole like I am sane and so are you he's basically a clone of Bartholomew Walper from Dark Knight Returns yeah Mister has a lot of the same, like, making fun of that, like, psychoanalyzing, mm -hmm. but then also doing it all the time. Yeah. Like, Batman, like, comments on psychobabble, and then he proceeds to psychoanalyze all of these people. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking dumb. That's stupid. They're just bad guys. But also, when he was a child, he was set on fire. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Batman doesn't stop that one. That's unique because Robin actually stops it. And it turns out that there wasn't even real dynamite strapped to him. Weren't they like chair legs or something like that? They were yeah, like, it was just wood sticks or yeah. something. Yeah. It's funny because it was like Tim rushing in to save the day. And I don't remember if it was Bullock or Gordon kind of being like... It was Bullock. 
yo, you could have, you, you could have killed us all. And then someone's like, wait, they're not real. And he's like, yeah, see, it's like, you didn't fucking know that you little dumbass. <laughs> uh, Batman beats the Royal fuck out of Joker after Scarecrow gasses him and he hallucinates reliving Jason's murder through the fear toxin. That was a really great scene. I like the callback of it because it tied that other story into it so well without it being the point of any of this. Yeah, just it was like just a great still weighs on him. to go to the trifecta. That was a really great tie-in for his ongoing trauma. Yeah. One thing, and this was at the Firefly portion because they're, they're at the zoo. Batman ends up in this like leopard wild tiger pen. Like Ron Burgundy. Yes, and uh, he's fighting a black leopard, and he calls it the deadliest man killer. And I was like, I don't know about that. (laughs) And so I took it to the internet, fact check. Mosquitoes kill more people. Mosquitoes kill the most people out of any animal. 725,000 people per year. Okay, that is a lot. do panthers kill I would separate insects and animals, though. No. When did you go to school? No way. Can I take the time to look this up? I mean, if you just say other species, that's one thing, but like... Insects and mammals, maybe. You could say that if you want to say they are animals. You're like one of those people who says people aren't animals. I hate you. I hate you a lot. Go outside. No, people are animals. We're the worst kind. Yeah, but so are insects. (laughs) I, I Okay, I never considered that. That was one of those, like, the uh, rub your chest, chest, your arms will take care of themselves. Yeah, that's like the deadliest man killer in the world. Yeah, that sounds right. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, again, another case in point, I can't trust the writers of this stuff. Like, I can't just take your word for stuff. Bruce may not be as smart as they say he is. Uh, He's only as smart as they are. Yeah, National Geographic says... And pound for pound, the bite of a jaguar is the most powerful of the big cats, even more than that of a tiger and a lion. The way they kill is different, too. Tigers and lions and other large cats go for the necks or soft underbellies. Jaguars have only one way that they kill. They go for the skull. I was just translating what you were saying into Morgan Freeman voice in my head. Uh, Yeah, which one was better? Like a nature documentary, you know? I was picturing Batman just like fighting a swarm of mosquitoes, <laughs> which does happen in One Punch Man, and it is awesome. When they go to the prior to Batman beating up Joker in the underground tunnel, they go through the like the toll booth, and he gives the man explosive ice cream. <laughs> question, question mark what's going on there is that really what's in my reading back correctly I think so I think it was just something in the cone yeah okay. no it was formulated ice cream that explodes <laughs> yeah this guy this guy's so smart so Batman beats the ever living fuck out of Joker and then as like the place part. is blowing and the water is flooding in he has to save the mayor I like in this scene there's this part where they get to kind of the top where he's climbing up the ladder trying to get out of the tunnel and he's already used all his strength and oh, yeah. he can't turn yeah. the fucking... He seems so worn down by this point. Yeah. He talks about feeling crushed by the air pressure. 
as the water's filling up. Yeah, and you're trying to hold another person up and keep him alive, who's also in terrible condition. Not helping at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the amount of times that I've been in <laughs> flooded underground tunnels. No, the deadliest man killer in the world. Wow, yeah, <laughs> mosquitoes. Man, and this um, fucking hostage is not pulling his weight at all. Yeah, fucking... I already lent you my cape, but just the thought of swimming in a scenario like that just sounds exhausting. You're wearing clothes that you wouldn't normally be in and then having the extra pressure of saving somebody's life and then having to use all of your strength in that moment just sounds, you know, super villains aside or anything, just trying to muster what it takes to save your life and somebody else's life in a scenario like that just sounds so taxing. Well, think about swimming with your clothes on and how terrible that is. Add to that a cape. And then if you wanted to take it even further, pretend this is like the Michael Keaton bat suit and he's swimming. <laughs> yeah. Four inches of rubber. It's not just spandex. You've got to weigh like an extra hundred pounds and then it's like coming in through the cowl and so it's like filling you with water. I noticed something in that part. I wondered about the plausibility of actually being able to contain the mayor in your cape and if that would somehow like hold the oxygen that he needed that they're like traversing the tunnel i wondered if that was even a possibility he like wraps him up to keep the air in there but what if he just smothered him to death <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah he just ends up sucking cape and just dying anyway it's like well, that was in a uh, that movie unbreakable i think where the pool is covered and they get thrown in there and then you're covered in this fucking tarp and you can't get out of it and you know underwater yeah exactly yeah. it's like being smothered by a pillow but the pillow is wet and you're in a bathtub <laughs> it's basically being waterboarded during that part the mayor is in batman's cape and batman is still wearing his towel yeah and so that leads me to believe that they are separate things oh but then shortly after that and batman is fighting zombie and he takes off his cowl and cape and tosses it at him and then it's like one object yeah that it's is separatable. the it's separatable and reconnectable <laughs> yeah i noticed okay. that that <laughs> difference as well but i just love that shot i actually had it open as you were talking about it because yeah. it's the mask of the phantasm move you know where he puts his cape and cowl on that sawhorse and yep. sends it up at the police helicopter i always love that move and then right after this so he throws that up there as a diversion, but then he's off the side of the roof and yeah. just grabs his feet and pulls him backwards. <laughs> and like this great line, despite the pain, despite the exhaustion, that felt good. And it, yeah. you show like the 1% smirk that Batman can give, you know, like. He seems genuinely pleased with himself. And it's like some America's Funniest Home Videos. Like, like, I fucked that guy up. The classic Batman maneuver. Waiter pulls <laughs> the sheet off the table. Well, the guy. This ending, because this is the end of book one here. So right as he he comes out from almost being drowned, you know, just like one continuous fucking horrific event after another. And then he's cornered and sort of led in a direction by Bane's goons and finally gets home. And the cliffhanger at the end of this second to last book 
is that Bane is waiting when he comes back into the upstairs and that Alfred is on the fucking ground. I mean, that is one of the greatest comic cliffhangers fucking ever, man. Yeah. Is there more after this? Because that's why I stopped reading. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the final issue, you know, it starts with actually a very long dialogue. I mean, there's like eight or ten pages of conversation here. They kind of give you the big showdown cliffhanger, but then they make they still make you wait for it because he's got to have his his James Bond dialogue, you know. Like, but uh, Bane wrecks the fucking cave. He knocks over the penny. He breaks. He throws Batman through Jason's display case with his costume. You know, every single hit is paralleled with a flashback from other villains and other ways he's already been hurt in the past which is just really, really well done. Like, you could read this issue as a standalone, and it gives you everything you need to know about how he got here and how he's in such fucked up shape. He has nothing left. Yeah. There's this panel specifically that I'm looking at, and it's kind of a shame now that Ben has infiltrated my mind and stolen the way that I think. (laughs) Uh, Because I previously thought that it was super badass. Ben and, and Bruce are having this talk. And Bruce says, you may well be the single greatest source of madness and evil I've ever faced. <laughs> and Bane quickly said, easily. And I, thought that, and I thought that that was super badass. But now that I think about it, it's just the office again, like telling me <laughs> that he's badass without having to give me any examples. It's the authors literally writing that, literally going, this yeah, character is so freaking badass. Yeah, I am. <laughs> My note right before that was where Bane is fighting bird and his awesome mullet and he says bang 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 as he's punching him yeah and it made me think about like marsha 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 <laughs> bang 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 what does he want the end of this fight though is just one of my favorite single pages in all of comics we all know what it is the break you page uh apero yeah. not only did just an amazing I love how the, like even the edges of the panel is drawn out like I mean I, I love everything about it the the, the, the space it's just hair. it's just stunning everything about it and especially the way it's colored everything pops you know the way that it's framed and it just I love the kind of oranges and just the humongous words I mean the letter I mean everything everybody it's, killed it on this it's drawn as if Bane is the hero of that panel. Uh, yeah. Break you. I mean, that's basically the panel that made him a legendary character, you know. And then right after that, when Batman rolls over and goes, "Ah, oh, that's the hardest I've ever been hit. You're the hardest hitter of any of the <laughs> He's like, oh, you broke my back with 45. <laughs> pressure. No, it's like that quip when... Uh, Superman throws him in Justice League and, you know, Joss Whedon has the, like, comedic Batman in that movie and he cuts back to him and he's like, yep, I'm definitely bleeding. <laughs> Classic Bruce Wayne. He's always saying stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. You oh, know, that's Bruce. that's gonna hurt in the morning. Oh, you. Bruce, baby, got me good. I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> when Volume 2 opens, it's kind of a shame because the end... Of volume one, I mean, it's legendary. It's iconic. The beginning of volume two 
is just as crazy. I mean, he takes his practically corpse and throws him off the fucking bridge in public. And That's that shot with the cool, yeah. all the different yeah. angles of Batman. It's like the staggered four panels. He's bouncing down to the street. <laughs> That's just phenomenal. I mean, Graham Nolan draws him a little bit leaner. I think Graham Nolan is my favorite interior artist. Really? They're all great, but he's my favorite in this run. I do like the switcheroo here, too, where the ambulance shows up, and it's just fucking Alfred and John Paul. That's a convincing way of getting him out of there, because that's a hard situation to like not have somebody go, let's just pull the mask back for a second. Yeah, definitely. I liked it, too, because Gordon is pleased. That's like a, a major flub on their part to allow something to have like gone by without anybody noticing like how did they slip out of here you know and but he's actually pleased you know there's like the one panel where he has a little smirk because he's actually okay with it you know he has like an inkling what's going on and he's all right with it this scene where he gets thrown off the building it made me wonder why maybe there wasn't any time nobody nobody takes off batman's mask it made me wonder why bane didn't even take off his mask before throwing him off the building he seemingly disrobed him a lot between breaking his back and throwing him out on the street because he's like a lot more bare chested than he was in the cave. <laughs> so he's he's like more naked and yet he didn't take his mask off. I don't know why he wouldn't like add that to the shame. He was shaming him, you're right. He peeled open his his suit on his chest and he's like, Look at these puny abs. You call this a <laughs> <Yeah>. man? That's not <laughs> a man. Uh, these not the most pathetic nipples you've ever seen. <laughs> Which is true. He's right. I get it. There's a man at the top of that panel wearing, and this only goes to confirm what I've been feeling all along, all my suspicions. This man at the top of the panel is wearing a Gotham Bulls t-shirt slash jersey. Yep, mm. there we go. And the close, the only Bulls team is the Chicago, Chicago. Bulls, which makes me think that Gotham is in fact Chicago, as I've suspected all along. Smack dab in the middle of the Midwest. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> the capital of Utah, Gotham City. <laughs> <laughs> and then another thing, it turns out that I actually have a copy of it, though I'd never read a bunch of Superman in the past, but this Batman being like half bare chested kind of struck me in a visual way. Like how hot it was? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, man, why is this turning me on so <laughs> looking back at the death of superman book that's yeah. also just kind of like half chest covered and i don't know if it was like a nod to it or they didn't think anything about it or if they were kind of riding off the back of it because it also made me wonder which one happened first and the death of superman happened before this i mean in chronology they're pretty close aren't they like a, well, a year or two apart connection together but they seem like doing the same thing to the yeah. characters. That's what I honestly think. I don't know that I don't know their reasoning, but it's as if they felt the need to apply the same kind of mortality and like consequence to Batman yeah. as a character. Another thing too that also kind of instilled this in me and made me wonder about the timeline too was if you go back, this is kind of one of my easter eggs too, back to the Arkham breakout in just a couple panels, pages 78 through 84, 83 being the most prominent, Batman is actually wearing one of the Death of Superman armbands that they had the characters wearing 
like after the death oh. of Superman. Everybody got kind of one of those like upper bicep armbands, like a black armband with the Superman logo on it. Uh-huh. And you don't see it anywhere else in the rest of the comic except for there. So I was like, oh, is this after the fact then? My page and numbers are different than yours. I'm sure it was because I, I could send you the panels or something. But if you go back to just like the Arkham breakout, it's like on his right arm, I'm sure. It sort of cheapened it a little to me, unfortunately. Like, knocking down a character like Superman doesn't seem necessary, but it seems more impressive because Superman is Superman. But hurting Batman seems less impressive, especially after just doing it to Superman, who I know is, like, just handedly more tough than than Batman is. And also just kind of seems like a storyline cop-out trending thing. Well, if he's so much stronger, then why don't you go on the Superman fanatic podcast, huh? Well, it's funny you bring that up because we're going to start that now. (laughs) (laughs) No, but to talk about something that I think is more interesting than Batman, which is Star Trek. Oh! uh, (laughs) Hey, you know what? You know what? Clay McCormick from the other show, he'd be down. He has a Star Trek podcast, too. Yeah, there's just a lot more to Star Trek. There's more depth. The characters breathe. They're alive. Uh, there's real morality to it. None of this punching people stuff. We're going to get some crossover stuff going on, I feel like. But in old school Star Trek, which I don't like all that much, but it's still entertaining. And that's what they would always do anytime they needed to show you that like Captain Kirk was kind of having a real hard time is they would just tear half of his shirt off. So <laughs> more than anything, it just seems like it's just a lazy, not lazy, but it's a, uh, it's like a, an already done way of showing that the guy's having a hard time, but we still want you to see the uniform so you know it's that guy and... Don't forget, he's Captain Kirk, or he's Batman. But, yeah. you know, his, half his shirt's torn off. Well, and speaking it's of weird, like, if Bane pulled his whole shirt off. And, <laughs> and I could find a picture of it, too. I think mostly it's that it's just so visually similar. Not just yeah. because the half the chest exposed thing, mm. partially that, but then also just the page and the panel itself is like, this seems, you're like, you're like under the same comic book company i know that you read this other stuff i just wouldn't well maybe that's why they didn't go full take off the cowl because with the well first of all this is in continuity that would change things forever you can't do that but but there's that famous shot of like superman's tattered cape you know blowing or whatever they're like what if we take off his cowl and it's all fucked up and they're like no did it all right can't (laughs) i i mean all i'm trying to say is if you want to make him look extra vulnerable you should expose both of his nipples. See, I'm, not just, I'm not just buying one. That's enough. I like this off. shot in one of the first issues where it's so a, a Bray Fogle panel where Robin is telling him, like, yo, you need to, like, take a night off, get some rest. And there's just this, like, saddest, hunched-over Batman saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. This, this story has so many shots of his face looking yeah. like that. And, Sad half face. Of, and the five half o'clock shadow. Are, um, yeah, from like three quarters angle below his chin. Yep. He's yeah. Up and away. And it's like, they look like either butthead because he's very gummy. He's a very gummy <laughs> mouth. Or there's that meme of like the kid. It's like from some Target advertisement where the kid's like talking about getting an Xbox or something like that. And he has braces and a really gummy smile. And then the internet just ran with it and did that that look with a bunch of people. That's what it looks like to me every time I see that face. Just like gummy <laughs> Batman, sad, really distressed. There's a couple really bad, like, under, under, it's probably the ones you're talking about, yeah, too. Yeah, Robin gets one, too. The exact yeah, same just thing. this under chin angle is not something <laughs> solid, too. So, we have this sort of oddly placed 
Two-Face flashback. I don't know why they did the Two-Face part after the Bane fight instead of as the buildup. Cause they're like, Can I show you guys something real quick? Yeah, sure. It's like in the Batcave after the fact, but this Robin right here with his like kitty cat paws, I, <laughs> like I still haven't figured this out. <laughs> it's freaking adorable. Look at this guy. What the fuck is he doing? I think he's is he shouting. Leaning up against glass or something? What is he doing? No, no, he's like walking towards the camera. It's, he's like, hey, uh, yo. No he's, no, he's walking is away from the characters. Nope, all the characters in the panel are behind him. He's facing he's facing me and like, telling me a secret. A guys, stop. <laughs> stop, guys, stop. Um, I'm going to uh, controversially say that this Two-Face mini arc has my favorite arc in the entire comic book. It's yeah. dramatically different than the rest of it. Quite. Yeah, I do like that. I mean, they have good... Uh, two-faced duality stuff with the whole like the paleontology like oh the the brontosaurus and and the guy's like no batman it's the apatosaurus it actually has two different heads they fixed the head he's like oh fucking two heads two fucking faces take that detective trifecta (laughs) bruce idiot yeah dumbass this is kind of a funny thing because i'm not actually familiar with this guy's work but the guy drawing and coloring this part, his name is Klaus Jansen. Oh, he's the inker for uh, the Dark Knight Returns, the Frank Miller stuff. Work. He, he actually did the... Uh, oh, you're probably going to say this. Go ahead. The Curse of the White Knight stuff? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he, I, like, yeah, he did and this. I haven't even read that stuff yet, but I, I just had seen his name on the cover. And then when I get to this, I'm like... That's so dope. And the funny thing is that as I'm flipping through this, there's a reason that I like it is because it has similarities to Sean Murphy's work to me. Well, and he just did the uh, Von Fries one shot that's in the end. He didn't actually work on Sean's art, but yeah. No, I knew that it was just an addition to the story, but I like, no wonder I liked it. And I bet that his work is an influence on Sean and then cool that they would get the opportunity to work on a title together in the future because working with your heroes would be super dope. It's interesting that I you mean, point that out. with me all the time, and I can only imagine that that's like incredibly awesome for him. It's, you know, not as much as you'd think. Humbling. It's okay. I think it's interesting I that... Stay humble, stay humble. I thought you'd be, you'd be taller, and you're not, so I just, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to be more bald, and a lot of times people would be like, <laughs> I thought you'd be balder. And I'm like, well, it's fucking, it's hard. Just and, for this, and like more handsome, but not like. They, Can we talk they, about the fucking saying, comic? They're not. They're not saying I'm ugly. They, 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 they like expect me to be like super hey, hey, hey. handsome. This is Benny Bean. You're on the Superman fanatic slash haircut <laughs> podcast. These are my boys. Benny Bean. Can were you, you guys... gonna say something, Sam, or were you gonna not talk? Oh yeah, I was gonna talk. You know, continue about the comics, but that's dumb. I thought it was interesting. You mentioned that being your favorite art-wise because it's my least favorite art-wise of the series. And I think it's just due to him doing everything himself. <clears throat> to me, the inks look really blotchy and, and rushed. It's just very dirty looking versus where you look at like apparel or balance, like something about it. It's just very noisy, dirty looking but you guys both 
like sales work, so you must like the loose simplicity in sales work compared to this guy's loose, extra loose details. When I Don't think of in my mouth, I didn't say anything about Klaus. When I think of the long no, Halloween and, and no, I'm just you guys both like sales. Stuff, whereas he's not super my favorite. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking like in terms of that, it's much simpler, big shadows, big solid colors, you know, and this just has shit everywhere. But it's not, lot, yeah. but it's not clean, really fine detailed Jim Lee, Jason Fabok detail. It's just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Well, I like this more than I like Tim Sale's stuff. I like it in general. It looks really good. But I think the most jarring thing is like what you were talking about before, where it's just the flat colors and not really any texture to anything. Mm-hmm. This is the only one that is the opposite of that, where everything yeah. is textured. And there's, it's just so busy, like you're saying, that it kind of it distracts compared to the other stuff we've been reading in this same story. Yeah. Yeah, he's got, there's like splatter effects on stuff, you know, where the guys will um, splatter ink with a brush. You've got what looks like the use of screen tones, like we talked about, Sam, like on Harvey's jacket to create patterning. Mm -hmm. There is for sure a lot of stuff going on. Whereas, if anything, I can see why it is very jarring compared to the other stuff when almost all the other art, even if it's different artists, have a very classic art style. This is... Yeah, I mean, it's sort of just like what you said about oh, I really like these variant covers from Raphael Albuquerque. And then uh-huh. shortly afterward, we read a story where it switched from Eddie Barrows to Raphael Albuquerque. And we're like, well, wait, why is all this shit off model? Like, this is weird, you know? Like, yeah. So I might feel differently about it just reading it by itself. But uh-huh. just coming across this one issue, it was like, this is just too much. I don't like... Yeah. You, you, have, <laughs> you have the part with... Alfred driving the heavy machine with a wrecking ball with Robin riding on the wrecking ball yeah. like Miley Cyrus and that Robin came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hurry Alfred it's still 13 to 1 these controls lad too confusing like I wouldn't even. You wouldn't be able to start. He couldn't even start a See, j- once again, same guy who points out the Joker can't drive a semi. That's not right. <laughs> it just, just. I don't buy it, man. You can't spend all your time in a mansion or an insane asylum and know how to drive a sixteen-wheeler or a machine. Just so we don't have another um, three-hour three fucking show here. Oh no! But I want to drive back that. to uh, present time uh, after the two-face flashback. <laughs> I like how these are people who solve crimes, right? And and there's so much detective in the Batman family, and yet Tim and Alfred sledgehammer a Porsche and push it off a cliff. And not only that, which is a horrible way of faking a car accident, but then also expect Dr. Kinsolving to believe that that's the type of injury he had. It's just so like, oh, fuck, I don't know what to do. Push it off a cliff, hit it with something, I don't know. So you're the little kid who's like a genius master detective who figured out that he's Batman, and you're the super smart, like, (laughs) right-hand man, physician, strategist for him. You two dummies, that's what you came up with. And she sees her right away when she talks to Batman. She's like, oh, yeah, that's not, you don't get that kind of injury. Yeah. Yeah. But she's like, I, I don't care, whatever. Whatever's going on here is very interesting. 
It's better than another day at the hospital. I don't know. Yeah, I'm busy. I don't have time for your nonsense. Let's just work on your hurt, and then I'll go. And then when Bruce uh, comes to, I think it was Tim is like, should I call Dick? And he's like, no, he's his own man now. Let's not burden him with this. And it's just like one line of an aside that's like, oh, let's take the most qualified person I've groomed for the last 15 years of his life and just ignore that. But this crazy dude that's been hanging around... Let's give him a chance. I think he's got the stuff. Let's see yeah, what happens. Dude's too busy with his mullet modeling career. Let's not bother him. But I do know this buckwild Frenchman who's absolutely available. Now, I really do like the scarecrow tie-in. This is one of my favorite parts, actually. It's my second favorite art. Yeah, the three-issue scarecrow. I, I like the Professor Rance. There's clearly no background checks at this school but some of the coolest artwork are like the giant scarecrow hologram over the city like these are the shots that i remember for decades like wow it's just so seared in my memory the newest batman game arkham knight scarecrow is one of the main villains and there's like he's terrorizing the city and his image is being thrown up on all the screens and stuff nice and reading this now it seems like that's what they drew it from because he that's it. He's another guy in this who is kind of a dumb villain, originally at least, or just silly. But he has made the transition to a modern, frightening Batman villain yeah. really, really well. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's terrifying in this, and he actually seems like somebody who is just as threatening as any of the other guys in the story, including Bane, as far as what he's doing to the city in this story. Yeah, the only thing that I don't like about this is the way that it's resolved in that he gets found out by the son of his first victim, whose name's Harold, right? He recognizes him. And so he kind of makes Harold his puppet and fucks with his brain. And at the end of this, anarchy is on the scene, and Crane gets hypnotized Harold to knock out anarchy in one punch. Not only that, but you have this old ass man they've shown this very gaunt thin jonathan crane outside of his costume and he's holding his own in a fist fight against jean paul valley really it doesn't make any sense it's like this whole awesome build-up and then the last scene was just kind of eh. he has the muscle structure of an anorexic person (laughs) Uh, there's no way that he you brought up Larry King earlier. He's built like Larry King now. <laughs> he's, well, he's so got. He looks like, again, I like this guy's art. Actually, and specifically, I like just his Batman and his Scarecrow the most. I don't even really care about... Anarchy looks cool because there's not a ton of expression going on with him. He's just kind of a cool, simple character anyways. But I don't love his background characters. I really like his... Batman and his Batman even has like nods to like Joe Matarera stuff at times, which is really interesting to me, and I wouldn't have ever imagined that. And then his Scarecrow looks kind of Disney esque, also yeah. kind of like Ichabod Crane, Sleepy Hollow ish. And I think that that's very cool to me. He's clearly doing this dry brush technique where like your nib or your brush can only hold X amount of ink before you would like re-dip it in your ink container again. 
but they'll let it run dry. And so not only do you have like the wispiness pull out of lines, but also you can see that it's not even like a solid black, like it's starting to lose its whatever the material isn't there anymore. Mm. And, and it either like aids in the motion or it's just kind of like a, a stylistic choice. That's very cool to me. And I also liked this holograms in the sky are just a specific example of it, but they do cool things with color where like the hologram is red lines and then the sky is purple yeah. or something or the sky's also got like splattered ink stuff going on and, and it's like way more artsy one of my favorite things is like that too there's this blue backdrop in the college oh, so there's these big toothy scary scarecrow faces and these close-ups of people's reactions and i mean you're right if you look at the kind of wide shots of the class there's like mm. a lot less attention paid to those side characters but when you get these big scarecrow reveal shots that are fucking terrifying, they're super detailed, he's, and he's salivating, his mask is all ripped up. It's like he's got venom teeth, too, you know? Yeah. It's just. That's almost like the Capullo Court of Owls mental yeah. breakdown stuff, where it starts to look like this fang toothed creature. Well, I think that shot also needs just to be pointed out where. It's Batman oh, yeah. losing his mind. It, yeah. That looks like something out of liquid television or just like... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His face is melting off. Drooling. That's awesome. And all his lines are very curvy and very dynamic. Yeah, and a uh, shout out to Brett Blevins. I believe he's the artist who did that spin-off, that tie-in there. Well, and you guys probably yeah. wouldn't get this on digital format, but those are actually, when you read the book... They stand out. Like, even if you look at the spine of it, you can see there's color all the way to the edge just in one Uh. section. And just those issues where it actually takes it to the full edge of the page. And so they were like prestige format at the time. They must have been. One of the things that I think doesn't look good in this story, when you shut your fucking mouth. Start over. uh, uh, All the college students in this story look like they're in their 40s. They're the oldest looking college students have ever they all look like blue collar workers like they just got yeah. off from working at the mill or the plant or something <laughs> yeah those the background characters in that look like caricature cartoon characters <laughs> those covers are Wait. Uh, cool standout too because they have to be like paintings or airbrushed I have a bingo opportunity what caricature <laughs> <laughs> what bingo square is that Sam, Sam corrects someone. Sam is smarter than oh. everybody else in the world. Well, see, now it's for the listeners who can uh, get those points. Oh, yeah, you really wouldn't want to do it, but... I would yeah, never. They're just learning opportunities on Evan's soul-crushed Cause, Yeah, because I am a modest person and would never engage in such trivial arguments. Self-aggrandizement. Never. I've been pretty much getting through life on my good looks, and... <laughs> It's really it's really starting to show. I like how Robin is the voice of the audience. I mean, he was invented for that reason, but again, he's still being used in that way where they're fighting together as Batman and Robin with John Paul. And he's like, this dude is off the rails. He says if he's not watching his own back, then he's not watching mine. I feel more alone than when I'm solo. It's showing that despite his capability and his drive, he has no regard for anyone else. You know, he's just on this fucking quest for blood. And just the power 
ownership of it too. Yeah, that he's now Batman. He's got to do it his way. And I don't need you. I don't need some Robin around. My name's Christian Bale. I don't need Robin. <laughs> well, he got a Robin, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling you John Blake. I wish that in their little arguments, though, it's an easy joke, but such a perfect joke that when John Paul and Tim are like arguing in the Batcave or something. I would love to hear Tim say, maybe even an aside to Alfred, like, yeah, well, better than St. Dumbass over here, because he's always talking about St. Dumas, and I would just love to hear that. It would make me smile. So if there's a Batman writer listening, and you want to do a throwback to Jean-Paul Valley, Azrael, please, please let Robin or someone ridicule him once. I'm pretty sure that that's why you should write a comic book, Sam. I already did. I just need to fucking... Flesh it out. Okay, Saint Dumbass. Thanks. <laughs> oh, laughed at my own joke. That's one of the squares. That's good. Uh, I mean, I already did that a bunch, but I wanted him to say, like, you're not my real dad. Yeah. John. <laughs> I don't care what you dress up like. You're not my real Batman. <laughs> you don't tell me what to do. But those not my president t-shirts, you know, he's got like a not my Batman shirt with <laughs> John Paul on it. It's the super anime bat rail with the <laughs> blue metal. I actually like how they differentiate John Paul's face in the bat suit. It's not like they're just drawing Batman and making him slightly different. It's like I think we might have talked about this before. Like you are drawing the person's face and then putting the mask over it, sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, he he looks very different. Yeah, different profile to his jaw. Mm-hmm. Mm. So John Paul squeezes tough Tony, who's being leveraged by Bane. His kids have been kidnapped by Bane. And that's when the whole uh, Robin, like, if he's not watching out for himself, he's not watching out for me. Uh, Tim realizes that his dad was kidnapped by reading a letter left on his fucking bed, which is insane. He's out there fighting crime. He comes home real late. Oh, I better not disturb dad. I don't want to wake him up. Right. So they live together and like. 48 hours go by, two full days before he realized, oh, my father is kidnapped. And again, they just throw a fucking, you know, they can't text a dude. So they just put a fucking letter on his bed like, oh, by the way, we went to go find your kidnapped father. Not sure where you are right now, but we'll be back. Uh, There's a funny bit where uh, Batman, Jean-Paul Batman shows up in Gordon's office. And he's hanging in the window, and Gordon's facing forward in his desk, so they're not looking at each other. And he finishes uh, his thought, and he turns his head, and goes, oh, my God, you're still here. <laughs> what? what do you mean? Why is that a problem? And John Paul just goes, I wasn't certain we had finished talking. And I'm like, uh, that's the point where they really drive it home, like, this is weird, guys. <laughs> I think it's it's silly that like that's the catalyst, but it also makes sense because that's such a trademark thing on his part to mm-hmm. impolitely bounce out of conversations that yeah. people aren't used to him sticking around. I like the fake breakout of Bane's guys. It's another like here's a secret note thing, and he just signs it B, and so he mm-hmm. b- breaks the dudes out, and they think that it's Bane, but he follows them all the way to. Uh, Bane's fucking penthouse apartment above a shopping mall? What is this? Yeah. It's a condo. It's just a standard. <laughs> yeah, but you go downstairs and there's like, like a food court. The, 
he's like riding the elevator next to some old lady who also lives in the they don't they obviously don't like nobody in these ever have other outfits so yeah bane is just, he's wearing his wrestler costume yeah he's yeah bane wears a unitard all the time well there's a good shot of him like watching the news wearing it his full yeah, suit and everything mask, but just sitting there yeah reading yeah. the newspaper it's yeah. the most comfortable there was a good bit of writing before that that I liked where the like introduction of the labor guys in the city because you have the tackles crime then needs to like tackle industry and stuff and with the you know they end up like kidnapping the guy and he has the um, union leader yeah the union guys and they have this cool line where he says something about uh, we'll work with you Bane's Bane's like for me yeah and, oh yeah 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 for me okay <laughs> and then later on you have Catwoman in this room with Bane and one this is like my favorite Catwoman outfit I love the purple and the big kitty ears that's, that's super cool that's that Jim Ballant design man I love yeah. that and then Bane is like you'll work for me and Catwoman's like uh, no I'll work with you just like a reversal, but she's the one calling the shots. Like you're dumb, you're badass. She's a weird sidekick, and I that guy must be from Catwoman comics. Yeah, he's from the the standalone stories. He's her like man of the van. He's the, the Steve chair. Trevor, you know, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> the guy in yeah, a chair. Says, I don't know what his name is. John Paul Hurts Bird's Bird. It's the '90s. He's hardcore. He's extreme. Yeah, he needed an extreme Batman to take oh. extreme villain. <laughs> I punch same, birds and everything. The same, the same issue with the Gordon interaction in the office is like Nightfall eighteen, maybe. <laughs> you have like golden, naked, glowing Bane on the cover, and it was giving me some real gold member vibes. Like, <laughs> this golden shining. <laughs> Cock, I guess. I don't know. It's brilliant. Back to Bane's lair. I really like in the big fight where Batman tracks Bane to his home or whatever. And they have this knockdown, drag out fight that's really fucking great. And this is the new suit. Or maybe it's just the new gauntlets. It's just gauntlets. Yeah, it's just the new gauntlets. And, And the doorman goes, I never knew he had. Claws. (laughs) (laughs) Claws. <laughs> <laughs> That's new. Yeah. I got a, I mean, maybe it's an Easter egg. Maybe it's a source material familiarity. I don't know. But Bane backhands Batman off the balcony. You do says, like backhands. Animale. Yeah, this is like the 32nd backhand in the series. <laughs> and then he shoots the grapple claw up into the beams. And then Bane is already up in the beams, having previously backhanded him from the balcony yeah now they're both up in the beam ceiling i don't it's kind of like the uh cat woman falls backwards on the roof above her weird stuff in batman returns oh yeah yeah the physical aspect of it doesn't make sense it doesn't make any sense yeah where's the science behind this comic you fucks i don't yeah, believe this star trek takes yeah, great man. effort to make sure that all the physical plotting makes sense within scenes. That dinosaur museum guard would have been all up in there just schooling these guys <laughs> on stuff. Yeah, you got <laughs> Like, that's not how that works. I like when um, Robin discovers the new suit for the first time. And Jean-Paul says this line, the old Batman was created for older times. I don't know if this was controversial, this storyline, in any way. I imagine... 
unseating Bruce and putting some other fucking crazy person in the cowl would be a statement of controversy. But it seems like the writers saying to the audience, like, look, the old campy Batman is your parents' generation. Like, We're trying to compete with Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld and all these guys. Yeah. Batman just mm-hmm. not cutting it anymore. He's not hardcore enough. Exactly. And oh, and then, okay, the full Asbad suit makes the first appearance when Bane takes over the, uh, the billboard and says, quote unquote, Batman now. And I like how Gordon looks at it and goes, does that have quotation marks on it? Because <laughs> uh, so far he's seen Batman back and interacted with him. I was like, oh shit, I guess he's all right. But aside from him not leaving the room, unannounced gordon's kind of just been on board like yeah i guess he survived i don't know yeah it was a pretty bad fight i guess maybe he's weird now (laughs) in the uh ending here we have actually sort of a a batman begins sequence with the train it hadn't occurred to me until rereading this but the way that this plays out at the end is very much like i mean it goes off the rails into the side of a building Azrael is about to slash him to death with those gauntlets and slam him right in the nuts oh he knees him right in the nuts and he decides uh you know he thinks better of it still some hope i love this suit design it's not very batman but it really appeals to the part of me that likes mech design and mechanical shit and gauntlets and claws and oh yeah it's fucking i mean i want to say the character's name is shadowhawk yeah, oh, yeah. Another one of, yeah, that's what it reminds yeah. me of, where it's yeah. all the metal and sharp edges and reflective. Yep, some 90s stuff. Well, and also, if you just think about, like, the mech suit in Dark Knight Returns or the Hellbat suit in Court of Owls and other things they've done, mm. this is still my favorite. Yeah. I like this because it's not, it's not a fully contained Iron Man-type suit. It's still lean. It more minimal and humanoid the mechanical parts don't even cover his entire body. It's like part stylistic and part upgrades. It's more like just regular armor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just all these things don't also necessarily equal compartments or anything. As far as I know, it's just upgraded stylized chest armor and gauntlet battering shooters and and just a different design, but it is so dope. Well, and though I never loved the Terry McGinnis Batman cowl, for some reason, it never bothered me having a full face cowl on this one. Oh, I love this. The, the way they showed in a lot of these shots, too, even though it's a full face cowl, there's always a shadow that gives it, like, the illusion of it being multiple parts and multiple colors. Mm. Where it's just like a full yeah. helmet. Yeah. And it looks like the side from his cheekbones inward down to his jaw is a different color than the outside, even though it's just shadows. Yeah. Where the back and beyond cowl is just black. I just think everything about this is dope because there's no expression to be found in any of it. And it's kind of like the forced version of the calm Batman that I like, whether he's yelling or whether he's talking, it all looks the same. I like his short ears and his red eyes. He has that choker looking neck protecting thing. He has the extra shoulder spikes. He kind of looks like a a predator. Yeah. The movie predator. For sure the different version of the claws, everything about this, like the extra gold and the shiny where there never was any shiny before is so fucking dope. Well, and it's interesting too, because the, uh, 
the sort of garter utility belt is almost like a feminine touch for this ultra masculine version of Batman. While I do like this depiction of him, this is instantly one of those things that I want to see like everybody draw. I want to see everybody's (laughs) version of this suit. It's so cool. I want to see Lieber Mayhose as Batman. (laughs) Oh yeah. But put a penis on it though. Also, (laughs) I had a hard time reading this comic book and I don't know how the rest of it goes, but by the time I got to this part, I was like fucking pumped. I, the oh, whole yeah. thing was like a drag out fight for me to read this book. And then by the time I got to the end, I was pumped about it. They both have really good endings because the first one's the build up to the Bane fight. The second one's the build up to Azrael and Bane. And you finally get to fully realize this is what he's going to be like. And we decided to stop here just because it's such a long story. I mean, this was like a year long thing. I'd still want to do Night's End where there's a lot of Asbats. You know, it's a lot of just fucking retraining or getting... Overcoming his fear of jumping off buildings. Yeah, getting back to uh, fighting shape. But I still want to do that after we do Curse. I forgot to say that I love where Bruce is in the wheelchair and the people are being kidnapped and Robin is having this monologue like, what can he do? What can he be capable of? And while you have this dialogue, like internal dialogue going on, Bruce is simultaneously from a wheelchair disarming like a guy with a gun. You know, like, what could he really do? (laughs) He couldn't have made it far. Well, he can take out a man with a machine gun. Time to wrap up here. Easter eggs, you guys got anything you didn't mention? I have a ton, actually. Me too. You start. Does he have villains screen with all the different villains who've been released from Arkham Asylum? Yep. Yep. And uh, Bray Fogle and Mensch are down there on the bottom. Yep. I shared this with you guys, but there's the Three Stooges fight. <laughs> yeah. Early on, he's clearly punching Larry Curley. <laughs> I found one that I don't think anyone else would have caught. Ooh, I think that I have one that I think nobody else caught. Really? What's, what's yours? I think it was the Riddler issue where there's letters sent to the police station. And there's a cop who's going through them, and he's about to open it, and then... Somebody walks in and he gets distracted, right? But the return address is 1325 Avenue of the Americas in New York City. And I was like, wait a second. I think that that's significant for some reason. And I Googled it and it's the address of D.C. Yeah. So it's like D.C. headquarters. In the Zaz arc there at the school and on the bindings of the books, the whole team's name for that issue is written on the books. But as if they were authors on the uh, titles. Exactly. On the wall. Do you want to hear about my one that I don't think anybody else saw? Let's see. Yeah. Okay. You have the part where Joker and Scarecrow go through the toll booth and there's the exploding ice cream. Yeah. The man in the toll booth is drinking from a Hello Kitty mug. <laughs> <laughs> I did not catch that. I didn't get it either. Good eye. Yeah, it's there. I wrote one down that I don't know what it means. I wrote down Neo-Eden, and Neo-Eden doesn't really ring a bell, but I feel like that must have been Poison Ivy's name for her place where she took all those motherfuckers. But I wrote in parentheses, Batman the Animated Series, Eternal Youth, and that was the episode where she has this like fake resort 
and tricks people into coming there for like a spa treatment or whatever and winds up brainwashing them and, and turning them into some experiment or whatever. But Neo Eden and Eternal Youth were similar premises in some way. I got, there's one of the issues later on where there's a Gorfinkel imports on one of the signs. I saw that because my doctor's name is Garfinkel, and I was like, oh, that's this, close. This is, yeah, shout out to Dr. Garfinkel. Yeah. That is Jordan B., who is the assistant editor on the same issue. So then I was, mm. I was going backwards. Uh, on that same issue, it calls Jordan B. Garfinkel the vaccine creator. Like, that's his title on the issue. Like, vaccine creator on number 17, the Venom <laughs> Connection. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about turned out he's the assistant editor and then again later on there's some warehouse kind of scene i think bane's kicking boxes or something and then it has his name on the boxes as if it's his whiskey brand ben not so much easter egg but it's kind of like a reverse thing where the harvey dent using a grenade in a standoff kind of felt like mm. heath ledger joker using the grenades in the standoff with the mobsters nice i had a couple dark knight things actually like Dent falls from that construction site skyscraper sort of thing in a very similar way, except he gets caught this time. He doesn't fall. And then also we were talking about the Asbat suit and, you know, the neck in it, the way that it's not like one big head to shoulder connected cowl actually looks sort of like the updated Dark Knight and Rises suit where it's like the cowl is just jaw upward and the neck is a separate piece it sort of has that similar functionality that's a lot more made for combat you know in the very end when john paul is fighting bane and it starts to rain it made me think of the neo versus agent what's his butt fight in the streets <laughs> they're fighting in the streets and it's pouring rain yeah at one point when bane's in his house and he has come upstairs to find him there. They sort of do the bat suit under the robe thing from White Knight. Yeah, my favorite. Yeah, but it makes sense in that one because he literally just came in as Batman and walked upstairs with, with a robe over it. Sure. Although it does contradict what Robin said about, yo, we don't wear our fucking costumes in the house, John Paul. But I could forgive it anyway. He's tired. He really wanted us a snack or something. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had one? There's two guys that draw what seems to be like the last issue of the comic. It splits halfway or something. And the guy in the second part does something that I think is really cool. And I can't tell what it is. But all I can think is that he's using like a pencil in addition to the inks or something. And again, I don't know how this crap works because we're scanners a thing or what was the deal yeah i mean i can only show you guys but anybody listening could just look at like the last issue sam will describe it in great detail <laughs> okay it's especially used on characters that are in the foreground because he's like attempting to shade their backsides <laughs> uh, but see like that is a hairy back yeah well, okay that's a bad one because bane is like so hairy it's kind of lost <laughs> in the hair nope here's a good one because it's just a random thing there you go see his like shin flake it's like the way that it looks if you wanted to take a like a transfer of something by putting a piece of paper on something and then... Pulling it off? Well, like rubbing it with a crayon or something. So you uh. get the textural transfer. Like, you can't get that from 
ink because you would just get solid blackness. And so it makes it look like he was additionally using um, a pencil or a colored pencil or something. And I think that that's just an interesting textural technique. Yeah, that's shit I wouldn't ever have noticed, I think. I got you, bro. That's what I'm here for. Last two things that I'll mention, because I think a lot of it I already covered. But the uh, Bane mentions the hell of a dark hole when him and Bruce are having their long dialogue in Wayne Manor. That's kind of the only nod we get to Santa Prisca and the prison he came from and whatever, but just the way that was described made me feel like Nolan took some, yeah, let's literally make it a hole, you know. Mm. Then one of my favorite Joker parts, Scarecrow keeps threatening to gas him, and when he finally does it, Joker acts like Nicholson played it when Vicky splashed water in his face. Uh-huh. And he yeah, does the yeah. I'm melting, I'm melting, like, oh, oh no, no. And then he turns around, like, are you fucking kidding me? Come on. Mm-hmm. That's in my pros, just because that's a nice touch to have it just straight up not work on him. Yeah. Just too just far gone. Perfect Joker scene. I love that. Just that whole portion with Joker and Scarecrow has some of my favorite, like, you're watching like a buddy guy team up and it's the yeah. bad guy version of it and the, and the jokes between them are so funny to me but yeah the threat of gassing him the whole time and then finally doing it and having it no effect like jokers yeah. so well, twisted well compared to doing it to uh, John Paul where like it works on him but he's just like mentally conditioned to fight it and fight through it yeah the Joker it just doesn't do anything and Batman just goes down like a bitch yeah, every time yeah. he starts crying, runs to his parents' graves. Well, Jesus. Well, well no, because there's the whole Jason Todd thing. And so that affects him deeply. And then just that wonderful scene where he's just fucking ruining Joker's face, screaming Jason over and over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the funny thing about the Joker stuff, too, is that it's not as if he has some immunity to it. It's just like what could be more twisted than his current existence or what what would even scare that guy you know it's not like his nose doesn't process fear toxin it's just like it just doesn't matter to him there's (laughs) there's nowhere else for his brain to go yeah like what's worse than what he's doing already he's not scared (laughs) by anything it's the old bad religion record how could hell be any worse work pros i mainly have one of just it was a the one moment in this book that made me laugh out loud but it's just an aside of Bullock saying to like another police officer guy, like, yeah, no sign of this brain guy. They <laughs> <laughs> called him brain. I, love brain yeah. guy. <laughs> um, I feel like I mentioned my stuff already, but it was the, the Kelly Jones covers. The as bat suit is so awesome. And so iconic. Nightwing's mullet. Is <laughs> Fuck incredible. you. Well, this is like the old Nightwing costume, too, where he has like yep. the gold fringe. I think he looks, I actually think that he looks awesome. And Alfred's conversations with people have become some of my favorite opportunities for like little quip jabs in yeah. all of this stuff. In this one, Robin is talking about he's not being included on stuff. Batman's trying to keep him safe. And in particular, he's not being allowed to participate in this stuff with Firefly. And Alfred says, denied the opportunity to confront a psychotic arsonist. I can only imagine your disappointment. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, that sucks, yeah, boy. Just like, yeah, him as a dude and his sarcasm, I love that stuff. 
Sorry, lad. Yeah, that, that must be terrible. Sorry, bro. SOL. Yeah, I had similar points. Uh, the Kelly Jones covers, also just in particular, some of the Norm Brayfogle and Jim Ballant shots are really, really nice to me. Asbats, all capitals, many exclamation points underlined. <laughs> yeah. I really liked making this such a big, all-encompassing story. It's just a really well-executed plot for the most part. I like Bane's brutality as well and showing him as a serious physical threat. I like the asides with Bullock being funny. Robin's heart, you know, kind of bringing a moral compass to the story when shit's just so fucking crazy and all over the place that there's no one else to offer that. But yeah, most everything we've talked about, but those are my biggest shout-outs for pros. They said gun souls again. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I, re- I read it and I thought of you. Why do people use this word? I knew gumshoe. Gumshoe. Uh, yeah, that's like a detective, private eye. Yeah, yeah, because you're like walking the, the beat, you know, you're chasing leads. But yeah, I don't no, know that they one. They would hide uh, weapons and a little piece of gum in their shoe. Really? Yeah, like a little razor blade. So that way, no, of course not. I was like, oh, man, I that's not some literal shit. Gum. I thought it was like a chewing gum stash compartment. I was like, yeah, shit, I stand corrected. Oh, wow. Just like Wrigley's. Cons? How did. <laughs> how did. I already Selena, like this at the start to a con. How did Selena get kicked off the airplane and then not only get back on the airplane, but also get into the bathroom? Because she's Catwoman, dude. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, okay, I, I totally believe it. She's not Bane. She wasn't just introduced. You've had years and years of seeing her do stuff like that, so I'm okay with that. To quote John Turturro, I feel you are underestimating the sneakiness. Okay. <laughs> All right. With a big grin. Yeah, it's cripple Batman, but this is still Batman. He doesn't notice a person sneaking on a plane and accessing the bathroom. Look, planes are loud. He doesn't smell her farts with his detective nose. <laughs> planes are loud, but it does seem like as soon as he gets in the wheelchair, other than what you talked about with him disarming the guys in the wheelchair, as soon as he gets in the wheelchair, he just like sucks at everything. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. Like sad. Fucking yeah. hold it against him, why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can't walk, can't play basketball anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not. You're just moping around like a little bitch. God. It's not not an excuse. You can't just like rely on the government just because you got your back broken by a super Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, okay? This is America. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Freaking billionaires want handouts. I know. God, yeah, talk about snowflakes. This relationship relationship between Catwoman and Batman is weird because there's not much there. It doesn't seem like between them. There's not enough licking. Either as Bruce Wayne or as Batman. And I should really point uh, out, I texted it to you guys, but there is a panel when Catwoman is on the plane where the speech bubble is coming out of her butt. And I don't understand. She's in an odd position because you got to get in a weird position to back into a seat in a plane. So she's doing that motion. But why they chose to put the word bubble on the other side of the frame is beyond me. I think we'd have to go back and look at the picture now and see if there would have been a place to put the word bubble. Yeah, they probably didn't want to cover that, something else. Up. Yeah, that was yeah. more closely oriented. Yeah, but I mean... And you well, got to leave you, that sweet ass in frame. So. <laughs> yeah, I got, yeah, she toots the words out her butt. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a superpower. I mean, we had a, a reference to Ace Ventura on a previous episode, so I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's what I was thinking of. One of my cons is the Batmobile design. I really just d- d- never cared for this era of Batmobile 
I mean, this exists after Anton first. I don't give them a pass on that. I don't know. I like it a lot. I does it have a face you know. on it? It does have a face on it. Yeah. No, 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 it doesn't. It just looks, but it just looks like a natural partner to the Azrael Batsuit, which is like I, kind of corny looking, but it, I think it looks neat. I think maybe it's like the page opener to the Mad Hatter. It's got like the Batmobile coming around some watery curve and then Batman making a stupid, sad face in the bottom left corner. It's like the worst page in the entire comic. All his upper gums are showing. Nothing. Like there's no distinction between jaw or neck or any part of the rest of his body. My only other cons were just occasional campiness of its time and the... (laughs) You're going to hate this, but the thing I already mentioned earlier, the inconsistent slash blotty inks on the showcase issue. Mine's the art change, though I, it seemed like a long chapter, but the art change mid-last chapter, Yeah, I would have preferred some like consistency through that, though it did end with my favorite art through the whole thing, so that was okay, despite the lack of consistency. And that the story itself was less impactful to me because it came after the death of Superman. Mm. Batman is already a mortal character. And so it's inherently less impactful for him to be taken down. It just seems like, yeah, that seems like a thing that could happen. Yeah, losing a fight. That's totally on the table for him. Yeah, totally. You could break a bone. You can do that. You're a people. You're a people. (laughs) You're a people. And then also because it's just a industry trend something it just seemed to be like riding superman's dick a little bit too hard i mean who wouldn't my wife would he had kind of like the long flung hair in that era too very yeah. sexy god yeah lethal weapon I, <laughs> yeah he yeah, has yeah. uh more callbacks rigs here yeah yeah it's dope it's like kind of a mullet but it's like way tighter to the back of your head and the back yeah it's, it's all combed back yeah, that's it, that does fucking rip it. It is awesome. Um, Batman needed that haircut in the story. <laughs> yeah, that would have made me more sad when he got hurt and he had that. I'm like, no, I can't do that. Or like if Bane cut his hair like some Samson and Delilah stuff. No! I actually, as a comparison, I read through the Death of Superman book and I felt like the art on that was far more impactful to mm. me. Like they made better selections in the artist's taking a serious storyline and really selling it as a serious thing. Not that I didn't like the guys who were drawing this stuff, but as far as subject matter, I would want every portion of it to really instill how serious of an event this is. Like, this is big news, and so every part of it is like that. And I just thought that the Superman stuff was, it hit me a little bit harder in reading it it seemed to be like whereas some of this looked like some classic batman stuff because there's seems to be like multiple decades where i can't tell the difference between like the 70s and the 80s and the 90s because you got guys who are drawing kind of similarly whereas with the superman stuff it seemed newer and more stylized and i was affected a little bit more by it how much of it do you think would be different if either in the Superman story, it ended, and he was just like in a wheelchair. And, or in the story, Batman died. Like, cause they, yeah, because we did stop in the ends. second act. He stopped being Batman, but we still have another. It's like if in the death of Superman, he didn't die, and then there was another Superman ready to just be Superman without any difference in ability or skill that's noticeable. 
I guess they end up having similar equivalents anyways. And I don't remember all of the follow-up to Death of Superman. Only I There's remember this. Superboy, John yeah. Henry, Steel, Steel yep. Cyborg Superman. Yep. And, and the Electricity Guy. Is that then or is that later? I thought it was around the same time. I thought there was like four people. There are so, four. Yeah. so to have four people replace a superhuman who was killed seems like, I guess, the equivalent of a normal human getting his back broken and then replaced by a, a maniacal Frenchman. <laughs> is he from Canada? Where is he from? He's probably from Gotham. I don't know. Yeah, Gotham, France. Chicago, <laughs> France. I would say my biggest con in this book is having to read it with Sam. Doing things with him just brings me down is all. Yeah, but, I agree. Everything is made infinitely more unpleasant by Sam's yeah. presence in my life. Yeah, ugh. Uh, just the fact that this is so long, like I think Long Halloween, even though that feels long too, did a better job of making me care along the way. Like some of these little stories in between, I just didn't really give a shit about. The first half yeah. of this book, I didn't care about. Yeah, I, I, it was only those parts with the good art where I was, you know, Two-Face comes around and I'm like, dope, I like this art. And that's the only thing that made me interested. And then by the time you get to the end, then it's the art and the suit. And I was like, fuck yeah. But it took me like weeks to read this book. It was kind of a crappy time because there was stuff going on and there was the forest fires and it was just a weird time. And uh, so I think that I found myself kind of distracted. But I also think that I'm kind of making excuses because I was finding like every reason to read anything else. Like I wanted to read Berserk and I just wanted to read that. And I even interjected like other books that just came out, like just some other manga. And I would read those instead of reading this book. I just <laughs> wasn't super feeling it. It was more taxing than it was enjoyable. You're just protesting my choice. It's good that we read it, but it's just like that first chunk like i tried to read one or two every night so it wouldn't be like a whole bunch of reading all at once mm -hmm. i get that you're showing him getting the crap kicked out of him but the combination of the silly bane henchman and just so many of the rogues gallery it just was like it, it was having a hard time pulling me along that's a good point the bane henchmen are definitely a weak link too to make a new extreme villain and then give him these dumb old school sidekicks is weird yeah trifecta detective some. Uh, well, the first one that comes to mind immediately without even looking at my notes is that he used the fact that the blood of the henchman had been vaccinated. Yeah. It was some kind of like twist. It wasn't just that he he had the disease, but it was that he had been vaccinated. There's only a few places where they would make someone get vaccinated for malaria. malaria. Yeah. yeah. I thought yeah. That, that was that was my note as well. Just being really, really clever that I disarmed these dudes in a wheelchair and I'm going to take this mask as evidence. And again, figuring out that it was antibodies That's what it was. to yeah. malaria going, well, so did he have? No, he must have had a vaccination, you know? And going, all right, well, it's like a, a death in the family. We're going overseas, guys. <laughs> we'll be back later, Robin. Be sure to eat well. See you soon. <laughs> Oh, by the way, your dad's missing. <laughs> when Batman examined Film Freak, that was pretty, like, detective. He's going over how Bane hurt him and 
how he fought him and defeated him, basically. He's like, Robin, will you have a look at his jaw here? And Robin's just like, <laughs> oh, uh, That's like hanging off his face. Martin, oh, my God. I, uh, <laughs> Ninja? Uh, he takes out multiple Arkham inmates. That was an awesome scene of just him fighting one guy after another. Again, which is like the opposite of anything in Dark Knight Rises, where it's just a <laughs> silly Power Rangers fight scene. Yeah, well, it helps when you just take freeze frames. Yeah, well, you know, play to the medium. That's, that's also true. His, Christopher Nolan can write a comic book if he wants. Yeah, there you go. Uh, this is a real combo, too, because even if you... Well, you couldn't show him at his best while he's also sick, but if you showed him at his best and at his worst, it would still equal, like, a medium. So it's kind of hard to grade him because he's clearly in a really bad spot. Yeah. And he still, despite that, takes on all these guys. He's still he's doing a good job. He's still Batman. Uh, in the Harvey Dent side story, he wraps a henchman who's like a six foot something guy, three hundred pounds, in a net, and then throws him in that net. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That was a and great move. I wrote I'm that. So exhausted from the water tunnel, I couldn't <laughs> possibly throw a grown man in a net right now. I actually wrote that down and deleted it because at a certain point my notes for this were very very long and so yeah. i just kind of put one bullet point sort of per issue yeah i had a whole page of notes that ripped out that actually had a uh sure you a, did it was, a, it was a ninja but it was for robin being having a blindfolded fight on a yeah elevated oh yeah on the pole. precipice yeah I, I think it's right around this time too that I don't remember if I have any good pictures of it. But one thing that I do really like about Robin's costume thematically is the foot boots will have like the split toe yeah. thing in them. So he's got like two two Ninja Turtle toes kind of. Yeah. And that's like a very Japanese house sock sandal thing. And I think mm. that that's, or, or just kind of ninja-ish. And I think that that's dope. And then also his use of a, bow staff is also really cool i don't know why anybody decided to like shoot that in there at some point like he also needs these bad boys but i like <laughs> i like those in addition to his updated costume that's a good touch yeah what i would add to ninja is that i think it's easy to sort of look at broad strokes of this story and go arkham breakout and he's gotta wrangle them all up but it's like these villains are a lifetime of his foes of his work really and he's having to take them all on at once in a very short period of time relative to the amount that he spent locking all these people up in the first place i mean it is just uh -huh. an amazing feat of strength what he's, yeah, he's able to sick. do yeah he's sick before any of this even starts yeah he's sick as fuck i keep telling you it's so dope. Nah, bro. Fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, the other ninja one I had, and he gets proved wrong later, but it's still like a ninja warrior quote. The actual line where he says, All men have limits. I ignore mine. Isolate the pain. Lock it away. Put it in a tiny box in the corner of my mind. Yeah. Just using his like mental uh, strength and fortitude to ignore pain. Yeah, I love and then it. He gets fucked up. It's but, very Batman. Yeah. Trauma. The Jason Todd one that you mentioned before, that's like the biggest yeah. thing that, yeah. that he carries that with him. Yeah, n not a lot specifically other than him just being a battered, broken person. Yeah. And that, and that by the end of it, that he failed in his mission. That's true. That's true. 
Yeah, that's true. Everything everything coming out of his mouth after he's laid up is super defeated and yeah. all the stuff that he's sharing with Alfred and Robin and his doctor friend is just super low. And I'm I'm, I'm betting yeah. that when we do Night's End or volume three of this that it'll be a lot more to say in that category, you know? Yeah. Rating? Three. Agreed. Yeah, I have a hard time trying to pinpoint this one. I'd say I give it a four because it's a very iconic storyline. The art is uh, is fucking ridiculous and amazing. And they do some shit that really just hadn't been done. So I give them a lot of credit for that. It is still, as a contained story, it's so fucking long that it suffers a little for that. And, and just being of its time, as opposed to like the killing joke that transcended year its one. time. Or year one. one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. You want to get nuts? <laughs> you're just Let's doing nuts. Stop. Now you're oh, just man, fucking man, with man, me. No, you can't. That's cheating. I can do whatever I want. Cheating. Okay. That's... <laughs> Ben's the true villain of this Batman shit. <laughs> yes. I like that we stopped where we did, not only just so it wasn't so much to read, Yeah. but also I think that's an interesting self-contained story, having it start where it does and then end with new Batman. And like in his introduction, he's too extreme. He's not working with Robin. He's maybe too violent. But by the end of this story, he doesn't kill Bane, so he lets him go. And it's a little more like, oh, maybe he will be all right as this new Batman. Yeah. And stopping there, it's like, oh, maybe this will be Batman from now on. Maybe this is the new one. They're going to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an interesting stopping point. Obviously, that's not where it goes. But when I felt I when I finished Volume One, and it has that amazing cliffhanger, coming up the stairs into Wayne Manor, Alfred's on the ground. Bane's like, you know, <laughs> let's not stand on circumstance, Mister <laughs> Wayne. You know, but fucking. That was such a great ending. I simultaneously couldn't wait to read the next issue, but also was like, man, what if we stopped here? What what would our rating be if we stopped here? Like, oh, shit. It would be lower, I think. Really? Yeah, I I think the better, for me, the better stuff is after that. I think that that makes a good ending, but I agree also. There wasn't really anything in the first half that made me interested at all. Damn. But it is an <laughs> there wasn't yeah. anything in the first half that made me interested at all. <laughs> Quote me. All right. Well, so the first half of this book is, I don't know if you guys have ever watched 24. No. I think 24 came out before the big writer's strike. So there were 24 episodes of the show. Yeah. And the whole gimmick was like, yeah, it's just one day, one hour of each day. But what it really turned out to was it would be 12 episodes with one villain or group of villains. And then it would turn out that they were just the henchmen or the something of the second 12 hours of yeah. the day. And that's what the first half of this book feels like. It's like it's just a whole bunch of other stuff that really is just the prelude to the actual mm-hmm. exciting stuff or interesting stuff. And that's not quite fair because there is a lot of good stuff that we talked about that happens earlier. But it just it is like two distinct chunks. Yeah, it's true. I really think that it does start to get super interesting once Azrael takes over. Yeah, if anything, it just makes me pumped for the next portion of it because what I liked the most was his new suit. And that's a good jump-off part for the rest of it. That doesn't ensure that the rest of it is awesome, but it's what I liked the most about this book anyways. Well, I'm glad that you say that because I was 
a little apprehensive about going, well, we're going to do the third one, right? Because like you had mentioned repeatedly, like, oh my God, this is so long. I just, you were not stoked. But we should do it later. I don't think we should go right into it. Well, no, I want to do Curse of the White Knight because that just came out in a collected edition and the two of us just bought it. And yeah. um, so I already read it once, but uh, that ties in with all the Asriel shit and then I'd like to do it probably after that. That's part of my interest sometimes too is I still want to know what happened before it anyways, even if it isn't as cool as the stuff currently going on. Like I wouldn't want to read Curse of the White Knight and see this like Asbat stuff, but then not be familiar with the past yeah. Asbat stuff, you know, because I, I would prefer to ingest things kind of in order, even if I didn't have the benefit of being born in the past and actually being able to read them in order. Y- you you were born in the past, just for the record. <laughs> I was going to say something, but you did, so. <laughs> you do have the benefit of being born in the past. Okay, but I didn't read it back then, and I can't take okay. that back. <laughs> But there's other the stuff that we, sorry, I'm thinking like things that maybe predated us entirely. Yeah, sure, yeah. I'm missing out on the culture of like, why is Azrael even an interesting or important character? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that was more of a broad statement. If anything was, that we read was done before 1984, then I didn't even have the ability to. Because I read starting from the day that I was born. <laughs> uh, but I do like knowing where stuff came from and then where stuff is currently. Also, that I really want to draw a picture of that Baz Bat suit. That shit gets me so pumped up. It's so awesome. Yeah. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Now, once again, I will say that one guy was mad at me for cursing, gave me that terrible review, We need you guys, uh, if you like the show, head over to the iTunes app and just hit that five-star real quick. Get our numbers back up where we want to be. That helps people get eyes on the show and spread the word about what we're doing. We do put a lot of our time into this show, and it's just for fun, you know? Just a free thing for fun. We're going to come back and do something different. We've never done TV before, so we're going to start in familiar territory and go into Batman the Animated Series. They have a lot of great two-parters, so we're going to start with one of those, and I'm not going to tell you any more about it, but we're going to come back with Batman the Animated Series.